Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Delic. I am Mike Brancatelli. Today's episode is with Zach Geist. Zach Geist, who came into my life somehow, some way, uh, through mutual connections and serendipitous moments. And uh, Zach runs a company called Student Loan Tutor, which is its mission is to help liberate people from the shackles of debt slavery. Uh, Right now, they're working with student loans. Zach also mentions that they're going to be working with taxes, credit card debt. And Zach also launched his own podcast recently called Zeitgeist with Zach Geist. Yes, that is his real name, Zach Geist. And Zach Zach is like kind of a... you know, like sort of a a neo almost in, in our world. He's able to find the, you know, he's able to see the coded language that uh, functions as this sort of invisible prison that has us all, uh, you know, paying tribute to the elite masters of the universe that uh, keep us in perpetual debt and indentured servitude. And, you know, um, and it's it's really interesting. We had a good we had a really good conversation. Zach and I actually had a great conversation on the phone about a couple of weeks before, which I I wish I recorded that. This is a, that always happens in podcasting. Your your podcast, you know, you're talking to someone. It's really interesting. You're like, man, I wish I was recording this. But we will have Zach back on the show. Zach is a fascinating guy, uh, a new friend, and an ally in uh, in this fight against uh, you know a, a shitty shitty system oppressive system a system that relies on fear and uh and you know manipulates people through predatory behaviors in order to uh keep itself functioning in the way it does and uh we talk about the the whole thing the whole operation i don't know if we necessarily get too much into the details and i did ask zach at one point in the conversation about it but i think it's because every single situation for every individual who has student loan debt is different so what Zach does is, you know, you kind of sign up for a consultation, you call, and the way he was explaining it to me when we had a chat on the phone is there's so many different things that can be done. So for example, and you know, this isn't going to be a great example, this is just from what I remember, but, uh, you know, say that you have a certain amount of debt and, you know, you're in, uh, you, you can't pay it and, you know, you go, you do like an extended forbearance. And then, you know, in that window of time, there's, you know, this is where Zach has kind of deconstructed the code where he sees the code like Neo in the matrix. And because these, these codes, this, these, this, this coded language, this legalese, you know, everybody, everybody's swimming in this bullshit. You know, it's, it's, it's the, it is the system of, of, dark magic that is being worked upon us and you know sometimes it's 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 hard to see because it's in our we think of magic and you know all this kind of stuff as being like wizards and robes and like you know around like a cauldron and and that sort of stuff but uh these uh the people that come up with these kinds of things intentionally make it very very difficult for ordinary people with not a lot of money and resources to spend the time to figure out what <laughs> this stuff means. You know, I remember the South Park episode with the Apple commitments and the fine print and uh, the mess that that got 
the, the, the kids into. And, you know, so we all, we always agree to these things and there's so many, you know, fine print pages, 10 pages of things, contracts, you know, sometimes you can't even read a document unless you have a lawyer because it's, it's in this coded, occult, dark, sorcery, magical, incantation, spellbound system of, of control. And, uh, and Zach explained to me that like, you can't even find a lot of this information on the internet. He had to dig and, and go to like libraries and different resources and find things in obscure locations to find loopholes and, and areas where he could provide help and assistance to people to maneuver this coded occult, dark magic language that keeps us all imprisoned in, in debt. And, and, uh, and, you know, Zach is an extremely interesting guy. We, we talk on the podcast about how, you know, he's, he's, he played the mainstream game, you know, he did the, the checked all the boxes that, uh, general consensus society says that this is what you should do. And this is how to have a good life. And, made millions of dollars, lost it, and then had a profound Iboga experience, as you'll hear him explain on the show, uh, that, that changed and, and took him in a new direction, among other things as well, as he talks about. But um, So now he's trying to, to help people, and that is really what we need in this world, you know, is people that are actually invested in, in helping other people. Um, and that doesn't really come... You know, I think a lot of people might scratch their heads sometimes like, well, what's in it for them? I don't understand. What is this? You know, I remember seeing the Mr. Rogers documentary last year. And I remember like in the documentary, like a lot of people were like, they couldn't really handle like that Mr. Rogers was just this nice guy. You know, it's like, there's got to be some kind of dirt on him. There's going to be something. There's going to be some scandal, something wrong with him. I mean, everybody has their flaws, but you know. I think that what we really need in this world, especially at this time right now, is for people to wake up to their true power, to their true birthright, to their true fullest human potential, and trying to step into that power more and more, which is difficult. It comes with a challenge and it comes with sacrifice. But if we can do that, then we can really give more of our gifts into the world, which then can liberate other people to give their gifts. And that's sort of how we make the world a better place, in my opinion. And I think Zach's one of those guys that are doing this. So anyway, that's about it. Um, if I talk anymore, I'm just going to give away the whole podcast, which I hope I didn't already. But Zach is a, a extremely fascinating guy. And like I said, I want to have him back on the show so we could talk more about it. We touched on so many things. The conversation went so many places, uh, but always kind of keeping the core element there of the money system, the predatory lending, the student loan system, the kind of coded language that keeps us enslaved and in debt. And, you know, um, just the, 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 philosophy of that and the morality of that and, and what we can do and, and how we can pay attention and, and, uh, and what kind of things we can uh, wake up to and see and, you know, all that good stuff. So thrilled to, to put out this conversation with Zach Geist. Go check out Student Loan Tutor. All the links will be in the show notes description. And um, 
yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, you guys know what to do if you like the show and you've been showing it. So thanks. Really appreciate, uh, you know, big shout out to everybody recently who's left uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. They're great. And I always share them on my Instagram because I feel uh, I feel good about it. You know, I want to celebrate you for taking the time to do it and celebrate me for, for getting it and it feels good and, uh, you know, celebrate your wins. You know, I think that's a, that's a good thing is just... Uh, be grateful, be, be uh, live in gratitude and, and celebrate when things are, are going good. So I like that a lot. So thank you to everybody that goes on Apple Podcasts, leaves a five-star rating and review or just a rating. It, whatever you do, it helps tremendously. Uh, so really appreciate it. It helps in a way because it, it boosts us up in the uh, algorithm so more people can see the show and more people can be aware of like the things that we're talking about and what's going on over here, you know. Um, and so that really it really helps when people go do that. If you want to go a step further, you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you can donate as little as a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, thousand dollars a month, whatever you want. It helps a lot. Uh, I'm, it's just me doing this. So um, every little bit counts. So thank you. Uh, I just love uh, the support, the messages, even if you just take the time to email me or send me a message, I always try and get back to you. And um, and yeah, and also like collaborations too, making this more of a community, getting people involved. You know, if you guys have music that maybe you want me to play on the show, if you guys have some artwork that you want me to like post, you know, whatever you have, don't hesitate. Don't be shy. I'm just a human being. Just reach out. Let me know. What do you got? Let's Let's look at it. Let's talk. Uh, I want to, I love, you know, lifting people up too and, and giving back. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks. And so when you, when you become a patron, actually on patreon.com, you get access to the Mike Delic inner sanctum, WhatsApp chat group. And it's really cool. Cause there's like tons of people all around the world, just talking, sharing trip reports, stories, helping each other integrate and all this kind of cool stuff. So, and you know, big shout out to, uh, to hell. I just got to say, uh, my boy from uh, the Peruvian Amazon, uh, he's been one of my biggest supporters, and uh, I just, uh, I love you, buddy, so thank you for the the support, and uh, really, really appreciate it. All right, uh, yeah, and then uh, to find out more, go to MikeBrank.com, B-R-A-N-C, and uh, follow me on Instagram, MikeAdelic underscore podcast. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I guess I still have Hemp Bombs as a sponsor. So <laughs> I don't do a good job with these sponsors, but, uh, yeah, I think it, to, to the new year, I'm going to be looking to get some more sponsors that I feel more aligned with. But if you feel like, uh, you want some hemp derived, uh, CBD, check out hemp bombs under the code Mike 15 for 15% off, um, links in the show notes and, and description of the podcast. Um, yeah, really, really not doing a good job of like promoting the the sponsors that I have. But uh, but really, I like to just rely on you know what Zach and I talk about in this conversation. What I talked about with Charles, like the the spirit of giving, the 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 spirit of gifting, the spirit of of just out of the goodness of your heart, like doing something. And I guess that's why I've been doing this podcast. I just feel like I believe in something and I have something to say and I want to share something. So I just do it. And, um, yeah, that's it. I think that, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I like, I like that kind of model, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you very much to everybody who listens and supports, uh, more stickers and things are on the way. I ran out. So, uh, coming uh, soon. If you're in Denver, I guess I'm going to be doing some stuff, but I'll talk about that later at another time. 
And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy this podcast with Zach Geist. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. the questions and maybe you could lead this you know your audience better than i do for sure Def- definitely yeah i know my audience uh and i know you a little bit but that's why you're here so i can know more about you uh zach geist host of the zeitgeist podcast and uh founder of student loan tutor which is uh f- something that's kind of blowing my mind that we're going to get into and talk about uh you also host ecstatic dance parties which is awesome i think you're currently in utah now that's right you live in utah i live in utah yes but i'm from the bay area but i live in utah yeah that's right you told me about that so you grew up in the bay area i think uh, near oakland uh is that right yep outside of oakland before right outside of oakland before that was the new oakland it's very different back then yeah so yeah, tell me about that. What what how was uh, what was growing up like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, great question. I grew up. Uh, I, I guess what put us in contact with each other was you had seen the podcast where I had went on to Charles Eisenstein's New and Ancient Story podcast, uh, and Charles was a big inspiration for me. He wrote a book called Sacred Economics that really kind of showed me what the hell was so fucked up about our economic system and like why poor people are poor and people that aren't poor may be not poor but are miserable and uh yeah kind of what pointed at a lot of what's wrong and proposed some solutions uh and i think yeah charles has been a huge inspiration for me by the way like i recently just found him this past year and ever since finding him i've been just like reading all of his stuff and watching all his videos and he's he's a great dot connector and you know, just amazing thinker. He's really awesome. So yeah, when I stumbled upon that and I saw you, I I was kind of blown away. I watched that interview. I think it's on YouTube, right? And uh, you do the podcast with him. So yeah, it was amazing. And I was like, wow. And then like serendipitously, someone reached out to me and I was like, cool, like, let's, let's do this. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I actually flew down to his place in Rhode Island where he lives now. And it was really, it was fresh off of him speaking as a keynote speaker at Bretton Woods, which is uh, essentially an economic <laughs> summit, I believe, in New My Hampshire. God. And so yeah. uh, to talk about, to meet with him and then talk about debt and talk about the origins and history of debt and slavery and de- and kind of how that's moved into debt slavery. and 
Yeah, I, I, I also listened to your podcast with uh, John Perkins, uh, the author of uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. I really enjoyed that book. And I'm, I'm, oh, I'm nice. talking Thanks. about all this to kind of loop back to the question that you asked was, how was my upbringing? Um, I think my upbringing was pretty unique in the sense that uh, I grew up kind of in the projects. I, I grew up in the projects, but I was in a house that was bordering the projects. So like I was like on the the welt, as Stephen Jenkinson used the term, the welt, to describe the place between the wild uh, and mm. the society and, like, like the culture. And I was, like, on the welt of, like, I don't know, the projects, where I'm, like, in a house but have a cement wall with razor wire and electric wire and all that crazy stuff. And so growing up there was kind of wild. And, uh, and I learned a lot about... Uh, yeah, I learned how to hustle, I guess I could say, uh, you could say from that. And I learned that when you have even a little bit more than everybody else, it's easy to get to accumulate even more. So it's kind of like that saying, the where in a world full of blind people, the one-eyed man is king. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was poor, but other people were poorer. So a little bit of cunning that I wouldn't have labeled as cunning because I was eight uh, led me to be in a very unique situation and discover business really young. And I'm not super proud about what I did. Uh, not that I did anything intentionally bad, so to speak, or <laughs> I mean, maybe now I look back and I cringe a little bit. Uh, what'd but you I, do? Well, I grew up in the hood and, uh, I'd go to school and my mom could have qualified for free lunches. Uh, but she just refused to do that out of pride. So she's like, here you go. You get five bucks and you could, you know, buy your food for the day or whatever you need, just you figure it out. And I don't know if she like did that intentionally to teach me how to manage money, but essentially I, you know, would spend the money on silly things and spend it really quickly. And then I figured out like, well, what if I like save up a couple days and I, you know, buy things and then I sell them. And then I started selling candy in junior high, for example. And, uh, you know, I found ways to get candy really cheap and sell it for quite a bit and people wanted candy and they couldn't really go anywhere to get it in the middle of school and it was cheap. So I started to, you know, make decent money selling candy. And then somebody came up and you'd get these lunch coupons and I'd be like, well, shit, I want to buy lunch. Maybe I'll buy someone's lunch coupon. And, uh, you know, they would say, oh, Hey, I'll, I'll trade you a lunch coupon for some candy. And I'm like, okay, cool. How much do you want? And they're like, I don't know, dollars worth. And I'm like, wow, like lunches, I don't know what it was, $2 or whatever. And so then people found that you could come to me and trade lunch coupons for candy, but I only needed one lunch. So next thing you know, I'm now selling lunch coupons. Uh, so uh, I'm selling lunch coupons. And even at some point of the day, they tear off the little breakfast thing. And then it's just lunch, but you get breakfast plus lunch if you get it early. So there was a different price depending on when you did it. And uh, as that continued, uh, I started to make more money, I think, selling lunch coupons than selling candy. And... Uh, as it continued further, I ended up like buying food stamps and selling those. I mean, I'm sure it was highly illegal, uh, but I was, you know, I don't know, at this point, maybe 10 or 11. Mm -hmm. So I didn't wow. really know that. And I, I think I was making more than my parents were. And then I would buy comic books and then I would sell the comic books. And, uh, and then just things started to accumulate. And it actually saved my ass because I, I lived in the hood and I didn't really have a lot of friends, but I had a lot of video games, which is basically the same as having a lot of friends if you're in the hood. So uh, yeah. a lot of them got, a lot of video games got stolen, but it, it definitely saved my ass. So maybe it was some like deeply embedded survival 
adaptation that I was unaware existed. But I learned a lot of business through that, and I, you know, and I think that that's kind of what led me eventually to Student Loan Tutor and eventually to Charles Eisenstein's work. Uh, you know, I've made millions of dollars multiple times and lost it. Well, three times. I've made millions of dollars three times and lost it all three times because I understood, I guess, uh, how to make money and didn't really understood how, understand how to keep it. And there's a very big difference between the two. And there's also the idea, so a lot like Wolf of Wall Street, although I'm not claiming to have done it on a huge level like that. Clearly, I wasn't driving around crashing yachts or, you know, buying whole buildings or anything. But, uh, you know... I think that that's where the hustle came from, and I think that it was a reflection of a really fucked up economic system, and it also showed me that if you have more than everybody else around you, it's easier to get more and more and more. And uh, mm-hmm. if you get too much, though, you're, uh, someone's going to take you out, and I think that that's probably what happened in, in Russia in 1917, which is what led my family to leave Russia in the first place and landed me here in the U.S. to grow up mm-hmm. where I grew up. So that's kind of a full right. circle there yeah did it did you know about that story growing up as a kid did your parents tell you about uh i guess it was what your grandparents or great grandparents like leaving leaving russia around that time yeah it was my grandparents that left uh they're from siberia uh and they moved to harbin china and then my grandmother was an orphan and my grandfather married her from there and then my mom was born in uh shanghai china and then grew up in rio de janeiro brazil and then I'm the first one in my family born in the States. Uh, I didn't hear so much the stories of why they left other than communism. You know, they were anti-communism. I wasn't really sure what the hell communism was. Uh, I thought communism basically means like people are just shooting people. That's, that's what it meant in my mind as a kid. Uh, they would tell me mm. stories of uh, when they were in China and Japan started to take over China, that they would just shoot Chinese people in the streets for fun. And they would witness this. And of course, they're trying to get the hell out of China when that's happening and continue to move forward. And they moved to Brazil and they thought they were going to live in Brazil forever. I mean, they'd never been to America. That was their dream. And then they eventually got whatever it is, a visa or whatever to come live in the United States. And this was during a time where, you know, my grandfather didn't speak a word of English, was able to move to the United States. I mean, granted, it was it was fucking hard for him to get there. I mean, seeing people get shot in front of him and pretty miserable and times without food, you know, but... Uh, yeah. But but I, I want to say this because it speaks to a different time where he was able to move to San Francisco. And then within the first like six months of being in the U.S., he was able to buy a house in San Mateo and get a job at the airlines, you know, and uh, as a repairman and not speak English. He spoke Spanish because uh, Portuguese and Spanish was pretty similar. So he could speak with some of the people there. But he's able to buy a house, you know, and here there's people that are, you know, millennials now growing up with master's degrees and you know, wondering what the hell they're going to do to be able to buy a house, you know, like, well, maybe I could buy a house if I, you know, I pull together and I buy a duplex and I rent out all the rooms on Airbnb and I rent out my car on Turo when I'm not using it. And I drive Lyft in between here in the office and I telecommute in and I start a side business and a podcast and I ask for Patreon, you know, uh, donations and the podcast to be able to help support, subsidize my life. How can I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I say all this, but I jokingly say uh, it's kind of a tragic comedy um, and this tragic dystopian comedy that people are eventually going to start, you know, selling out their body, you know, one or two days a week. It's like, well, I prostitute about four days a week. I'm not really into it. But like because of this, I was able to buy a house. I could see like that testimonial advertisement on the website that does that, you know. 
Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Your geez. realtor sitting hey, down uh, with you yeah, saying fulfill like, fulfill hey. your destiny of <laughs> yeah. the American dream, buy a house. All you have to do is, you know, it's like, it's prostitution. It's like the, it's like Uber, but for prostitution, you know, and it'll be all like sleek and there'll be an app for it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of women that already do some level of this. I'm sure there's a lot of men that do it too, but I, I know personally women that actually do like forms of type of prostitution and uh, and it's not so that they could get rich or buy drugs. It's so they could like feed their kids, you know. And mm-hmm. yeah. a- and there's no dignity around it, or not much. I mean, it's illegal for one, which is an issue. Uh, but it's it's not that the problem is is that prostitution should be legalized, which I think it should be. But it's the problem that you would need to do that in order to just survive when you're already working. You know. Uh, right. Gosh, I'm trying to remember this, but. Uh, Oh gosh, I like it's not coming to me. There was this like extremely intelligent like professor with like two master's degrees and I forget who it was and she said that she made more money uh dancing when she was like 23 than what she does now and that's kind of what we value. And I think it it's not that we're like bad people. I think it's that we don't know what the hell we're lacking and we're trying to superficially fill that need. And that's why, right. yeah. you know, you got the half naked person online or like the negative ass comments or people saying crazy shit. And that's what grabs all the attention. And when you're really trying to take people through deep work and you can't explain it in one and a half minutes, or in this case, 15 seconds, sometimes I hear, you know, then people can't hear it. It's almost like if what you're having to say is an idea too complicated to say in like a couple images and in 15 seconds, then it just fall. You, you might as well be mute. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's definitely, I mean, we, you either adapt to survive and excel, which along with doing that in the system that we're in comes like a, a, a morphing of your character and your values and your identity and everything. Cause you have to now adapt to this new role. Like you were hustling and selling things like, you know, what would you have been doing if those conditions that you were in weren't that way? Right. So, you know, you have the communist system, you have the capitalist system, you have what we have all these systems that we've, I would have been know, an internet been, marketing. Been I would have done the same thing I did, but like instead like globally and, just made hella money somehow and then invested <laughs> it to perpetuate, not even knowing, but unknowingly perpetuate the same machine that is converting all of the beauty and relationships that we had, everything that we used to share as human beings into money and then getting, you know, stuck amongst very few people. And I'm not saying that the people it's getting stuck in is, uh, is awesome for them. I mean, it's better than be- starving to death, but I-, I believe that they feel the collective pain of right. the wealth that they're hoarding. And then you've got people graduating, you know, college with tons of debt, and then they're going off into the world, never even learning, like, they just told the budget, like, well, how the fuck do you budget? You know, it's like, what, I'm going to eat beans? Like, you know, like, I've got the same 10 bucks, like, what the hell do you want me to do with this? Like, not have any fun? And then people that are older, like, well, they shouldn't be going out on the weekends. It's like, dude, if I don't go out on the weekends, I'm going to go get an AK-47 and shoot everybody. So you better hope I'm (laughs) fucking going out and having a couple beers. Yeah, you, you need know? to be you need to be social. You need to socialize. You need to let let loose and release. And you know, for so many of our ancestors, uh, pre civilization, that that that's a, most of their lives were spent in you know having fun and and leisure activities and relaxing and you know working together and cooperating. And time wasn't this you know this dictator, this tick tock of the clock that we all have to march to. It was just 
living in the world in this infinite, almost abundant realm, you know, and not to, you know, paint it as I could feel the picture, clock. But... I wonder if your listeners or if you can. Can you feel the clock? What's For that? me, I, could... I feel the clock. Oh. Like in oh yeah yeah inside my solar plexus, I could like feel it pulling me. It's like it's like I wake. It's not so much anymore, but for the for a while, I mean, for my whole life, really, I I, I finally stopped running in the hamster wheel. I'm just like fuck it, I'm not running in the hamster wheel. I've lost all my money three times. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, but you know what? You know what I haven't tried is I haven't tried that into the wild shit. So like I'm putting all my shit in storage, and I moved into a tent in the middle of Mount Shasta, and I lived on the side of the mountain for three months. And uh, it was very humbling, but very peaceful. But what I felt was the minute I stopped, I felt that clock like right in my solar plexus still going. It's like it's like I would wake up and it felt like the floor was like a treadmill. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just going, you know, even in my dreams, I'd be having dreams of like doing a bunch of shit, you know, it's like it right. doesn't stop. And you watch and like, I don't know about you, but, you know, you're like driving and you're texting and you're updating this and you're, you know, like shit, like I've got all these bills. I got to set it on bill pay. And now this this new app came out and, you know, now the bill didn't go through because the new app works differently. And now it's my facial recognition instead of my thumb thing. And, you know, like shit is just yeah. moving quick, man. And it's like in total. There's no question. There's no there's no. uh stops or balances of like, hey, shit, do we want to go this direction? Like elders right, of, of, right. of cultures would ask themselves, even with rituals, that they were the only ones that knew these rituals. And they would do these rituals every year. They carried these rituals for their community. And they would ask each other, like in the middle of the ritual, hey, are we going the right way? And it's like, nobody's fucking asking that. It's like, if the market, if it makes money, it's right, you know? Or if it like perpetuates GDP, which essentially if it perpetuates GDP, it makes money. If it makes money then it's right. And, uh, and right now yeah. I think what's happening is people, you know, people's attention is even being, so I don't even think I know that's happening. People's attention right. is being sold. So, uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. I mean, we, we don't, yeah, for the most of most part of uh majority of people in living in America and eh, probably the world, but, uh, seeing how we're in America, we'll talk about that. It's like, there's, there is no pause to reflect or pause for a choice. And even so I know some people too, who even feel weird when there is like a, a, a pause or a break in their life. And they feel like this, Oh my God, I should be doing something or, mm-hmm. you know, like what I'm, I'm bored. I need some stimulation. I need to be stimulated. Cause, and you know, I, I, I work at this charter school now and I'm teaching an after school club class. It's like a special club school uh, activity thing. I'm teaching kids podcasting and, and, uh, but these kids there, you know, it starts at such a young age, you know, we ship kids off the mandatory, you know, brainwashing camps. And, uh, and, 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 you know, if, if you don't send your kids to, to school, if you don't allow the state to take them away, you go to jail or you get in trouble or, you know, you, whatever. And, and, it, but you know, there are other opportunities and that takes more work and, but like homeschooling and unschooling. And I'm a big believer in those things. I, I believe that's the way it should be. Uh, or, you know, there's also other great ways that we can think of to, to combine some of those best efforts with more of a community guided, you know, learning experience. That's yeah, not I mean, just in, I, what in did you learn in junior high? Like, I'm trying to like, remember <laughs> like a single thing, you know, no, uh, nothing. Sh- I don't remember anything. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I, I learned in life and, and, and that's really what's been the biggest teacher for me has been life. You know what and, I remember? You know, I remember a class in high school, a Spanish class. And it's like one of the few memories that I had because it was so unique that we did the direction. So it was like, derecho. that means like go straight. 
you know, and then it's like dobla a la izquierda, and then like it would be on la calle de, and then that means like turn left on the street of whatever it was, and like we were like walking through the classroom, and they like put signs on the fucking desk that say what the street is, and like I'm like, oh shit, like we're actually learning within a context. Of course, I didn't realize that at the time. I just like remember like, wow, I really remember my directions really well. That's the one thing I remember from Spanish class. It's almost like we like learn in some weird, it's like almost like school is there to teach us that we're incapable of learning. It's like, look, see, you went to school and you learned all this shit in a classroom from a book that you never actually, you never actually like implemented within a context and you don't remember it. Therefore, you're stupid. I, I don't know if it's really this conspiracy theory where it's planned, although there is some of that where, you know, uh, I forget who it was, it's escaping me now, but that the school system was modeled after the factory so that Children oh yeah, when they uh, would... John Taylor Gatto talks about that mm -hmm. in his book "Dumbing Us Down." the The Prussian uh, armies, um, yeah, that it was like the Prussian military's training camp schedule. Yeah, I hated school, and I did all sorts of shit. I would act up, you know. I was I was the class clown. Uh, I mean, I remember I went to Russian school as a little kid, and I would like sit in the garbage can before the teacher would come in, and I'd throw the garbage in the air and all over the thing, and I'd sing. I just made up a song. I was like, I'm the garbage can man. And I'd like run around <laughs> jumping up. I just, I couldn't take the seriousness of it all. I hear Alan Watts talk about, I mean, I haven't listened to Alan Watts in a long time, but yeah, you yeah. know, talking about how there's the Joker that just like, you know, like everybody's taking shit so fucking serious. And I, I would always question like, what the hell are we doing here? But I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to put words for it. I just knew I felt so uncomfortable that I almost had to act up just to like get the hell out of there. I would go take, you know, the, you have to get a bathroom pass or whatever. I wouldn't even have to go to the bathroom. You know, I just like, get me the hell out of here, you know? And yeah. I feel like a lot of people feel about like this about their work, you know? And maybe they got more indoctrinated right. than yeah. I did, you know? Like, you know, I was blessed enough to have the last grade that I completed be 10th grade, you know? So uh, I, that was yeah. that was great for me. I got less indoctrination. I, I think I was maybe the first uh, person to... Uh, end school at the end of 10th grade with a 4.0 cumulative GPA, but uh, it happened and I didn't have any plan. It's not like I was like, here I go, you know, like I'm going to do, I'm going to start an internet startup. Like I was just like, I can't, I mean, my school was dangerous. It was boring. The teachers were miserable. Nobody wanted to be there. It like sucked for everybody. It's like if somebody could have came in and just said, you know, hey, everybody, does anybody want to fucking be here? Like the teacher would be like, nah, fuck no, my life sucks, you know, and the kids are like, <laughs> Screw this shit. I've been on my phone. I mean, nowadays, if I had a cell phone, I don't think I would have actually ever really been there, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's even yeah. furthering the addiction. You know, if if Google or Facebook was out, you know, when before school ever began as a as a practice, I would say, fuck, Google and Facebook came up with the idea of school to hook and addict children, you know, when they're so young that they're bored to death in the class. So they're 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 addicted to looking at the phone. But of course we know that. You know, unless this was part of some majorly long, you know, uh, patriarchal scheme passed on through the Zuckerberg and the uh, Sergei family, uh, that was not the case. But see, this is where a lot of conspiracies come from. You look and you say, look, yeah. I can see how it all happened. Facebook planned it. Man, I think this is a big ass accident with like a couple people coming up with some weird ideas. And then I think as a, as a species, to the, to the degree that we're unaware, we perpetuate the same madness. And there's just got to be a time where we say, fuck, how do I free myself? And for me, this was yeah. something super important. Like, how do I free myself? Well, how do I get the biggest parasites off my life force? And like, some of these parasites are student debt. Some of these parasites are, are, 
or tax, you know, tax obligations. How do I pay as little of that shit as possible? You know, how do I like pull my money together in community and somehow so like I could actually have some semblance of dignity and not be bossed around at the whim of some landlord that decides to raise rent the minute that, you know, economic, uh, economic changes happen in the city. And then next thing you know, you're like, you know, br- like uprooted and all your friends can't live next to you and they live 30 minutes away and they've got some shitty job, you know, like, man, shit is yeah. fucked up. Yeah, and it's it, it, the roots of it, of this all goes so deep, as you know. And so, you know, you start off in this school. No one wants to be there. You know, you're bored to death. It's terrible. You know, and then you know that's and and we see the same thing as when you graduate. Like when I graduated from college, it was like okay, like every grade, it was like it's the thing is coming. It's coming. Like you're almost there. Like it's all in these kids that I'm in this school with. They're they're preparing to for college. It's all about preparing for college, even at junior high. So. It's just so they keep pushing this thing that's going to come in the future that's going to change your life and make everything better but really all it is is just going to put you in the same kind of doldrum of the system that you were used to with schooling show up at a show up at a job punch the clock you know do what you're told you know all this mindless boring bullshit and you tell them it's not about that it's about getting podcast reviews and podcast subscribers (laughs) come on you got 30 kids in your classroom start if you start off in third grade by the time you're graduated from high school you'll have you know probably 3,000 reviews and all of these subscribers and like if you think about you could monetize that and then I don't know what you do next. See, this is the thing. It's like the underwear yeah. gnomes in South That's Park. What I'm it's them, like yeah. you, you 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 do all this shit somehow, and then like I don't know what happens. Something like and then profit, and then like okay, now I got the see. I got to that point. I got like the even the profit, you know. And I'm like, oh shit, now I got money, and I got a bunch of time. And I got money, but like none of my friends have any money. And everybody else that's got money and time are a bunch of assholes that I don't know that I've got nothing in common with. What am I going to do? Go golfing or something? You know, that definitely wasn't it. So, you know, thankfully I just threw it all on black and took a whole bunch of more uh, business risks and, and lost it all. So, uh, yeah. yeah, here I am. This time I'm not doing that. I'm doing something very different this time. We'll see how it all, how the, how the cards play out at the end. Yeah, let's talk about what you're what you're doing now because it's extremely fascinating. I think uh, you know from what I've heard and what you've told me, you know, uh, and and you mentioned before, you know, how do I free myself? And I think so many people are thinking that it's just like you know, I know a lot of people listening out there, myself included, and other people that I talk to, just are like, "What's I don't feel right, and I want to I want to be free." And I know everybody's in debt, whether you have credit card debt, whether you owe taxes. You know, or whether you have student loan debt, which seems to everybody seems. Well, to have even if they days. think they're not in debt, you are in debt, and I and I think yeah, it's important yeah. that I point to this because well, ex- like, explain explain ima- that, yeah, yeah. So imagine you're a squirrel for a minute. Like for me, it's pretty pretty easy to imagine I'm a squirrel because I, I I would love to be a squirrel some days. You know, they look pretty happy. They're out there running through the trees. They never pay rent. You know, Friday they get right. enough there's, acorns. There's no government of the squirrels. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> at least not that we know of. Secretly, they're all collecting acorns for like one evil Skeksis squirrel from Dark Crystal. You know, <laughs> it's like must feed the Skeksis. You know, like so. Nice. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you know, we're born as human beings, and as human beings, we have certain needs that we must have in order to be able to sustain life. Like I live in Utah right now. I'm going to be moving to Hawaii for the for the winter. So I'm very privileged these days, which I've made made it through hell to get to, but here I am nonetheless, and uh, have some trauma to like fuck with me and give me nightmares at night sometimes, so don't feel too good for me. Uh, and you know, one of, the, one of the things that we gotta realize is that 
we're human beings and there's certain needs that we have in order to be able to exist, right? We need land to like actually be on. If we can't take up space, like we can't float in the air. We don't have fucking wings, right? So like we have to be, we have to have land, right? We also have to have food. And typically speaking, people were either hunter-gatherers or they were, you know, they, they worked with agriculture, meaning they'd grow their own food. Now, if I'm born and I don't have land and I don't have land to grow food or the knowledge by which to grow food, right? And I, and I don't have shelter and I have to get building codes in order to be able to do that. And then in order to me, for me even to be able to earn an income to be able to pay for the things that are already previously owned, I've got to go out and get an education if I want to have any semblance of of dignity. And people say, well, there's this other guy, my friend, Tony, you know, and I'm that example, you know, like, well, Zach, what about you? You only went to 10th grade was the last thing you did, you know, but I, I like got out of school and then read even more than what I was re like, I've read more than I think most people with grad degrees. And I'm not saying that to brag at all. Just, I wasn't wounded. Like if you're forced to learn shit and then you get tested on everything, you start reading with the idea that like, I'm going to be tested on this. And it just makes the reading experience suck. I was literally just talking about this yesterday with my friend who wants to start a private school. And we were talking about how, yeah, this is a big problem that, that kids and, 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 you know, even people that are going to college, young adults, we're we're trained to be like, this is learning Mm -hmm. and this is what learning looks like. Mm -hmm. So if you're not, if you're not receptive to that classroom teacher, uh, compulsory education style of learning schooling is really what it is, you know, then, then you're going to, you're, you're going to fall out of that and you're going to have negative associations with anything that means like learning or acquiring information. It's, you're just going to be turned off from it. You know, totally. you start reading through the contextual lens of what does my teacher want to hear about this? Or what am I supposed to remember? Or what is this supposed to mean as opposed to comparing it with like, the idea of intelligence is intelligence is the degree of sensitivity that one has and the uh, ability to make connections. Now, if you're taking everything with a, through a lens of reductionism, meaning that like, and specialization, I'm going to look at just what my psychology teacher wants to hear about this specific psychological topic or what, ju- there, there, it's, it's lacking the, the whole context. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. Even when you ask me what the hell it is that I do, like, I yeah. have a hard time des- describing it because I fear that as I start describing it, I actually begin to sound like a crazy person to some people because they're like, well, how the hell could you do so many things? It's just not, it's just not possible. But it's totally possible. And because it's what it's needed and I feel called to do it, it's not what's profitable, but it's what's possible. Uh, and it's what's needed. And oftentimes what's most profitable uh, it, it, it is exactly not what's needed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, can can I ask you, Zach, what, what, what uh, you said you felt called to do it? Uh, what, what, where did that calling come from? Have you always had that calling and you just, and and you just didn't know, or you didn't listen to it, or was there a certain kind of chain of events or certain kinds of things that happened over time that made you want to help people and do the things that you do? I think I've always demanded sovereignty of spirit. I don't know why I did. It's almost like if someone would try to force me to do something, I was like a two-year-old, and I never stopped. That, that part of me never died. Right. Uh, yeah. And I don't know Same. why that is. It's like I rem- there was even a part of me. What's coming up to me right now is a, is a memory of when I got pulled over and uh, the, poli- the cop thought I was drunk, and I wasn't. I was drunk like, I don't know, 14 or 16 hours earlier, so I was really hungover. And, uh, but I wasn't drunk and I did probably smell like alcohol from a wedding that happened the night before. 
but he pulled me over and he's just like, you know, you know, you know, why I pulled you over and I'm like, yeah, cause my headlights, you know, one of my headlights is burnt out. I had the high beams on and then you flashed me. And so I was kind and I turned them off and then you, you pulled me over <laughs> and he goes, yeah. and he goes, how much you had to drink? And I'm like, I haven't had anything to drink, man. And he goes, don't call me man. Call me sir. And I'm like, sorry, man. And I'm like, and he goes, you just called me man again. You think you're funny? And I'm like, oh man. And he goes, get out of the car. And I'm like, shit. Like, why the hell did I keep saying man? And it was almost like there was a part of me. And I think that some of your listeners, I don't know if you, Mike, like, there's just a time where, like, a part of you is just like, I'm going to make a fucking shitstorm here. And I don't, like, I don't even know why I'm doing it. And you just, like, you just find yourself saying or doing something that just, like, it's, it doesn't look like it's in your best interest. But I think these things are revealed to, like, show you part of your character. So I think maybe some of my character just, I don't know, man, I was bullied and stuff when I was young. And I just like, you know, and I, I don't know. I think maybe, uh, that was all the wounding I needed to, to be a complete rebel against what I thought was unfair. And I think it's super unfair when people are, I think the most unfair thing is when people are told that through pulling themselves up by the bootstraps or trying just a little bit harder or taking that next course or reading that next book or, you know, if you just try harder, law of attraction, like whatever the hell you're supposed to do, then you'll, you'll get out of it. And you could like somehow be somebody else or be more like this person and you'll get there. And then you like can't be yourself. And something about that just seems like, I don't know, like slavery, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, it doesn't. And, and the sad thing is, is that it, it doesn't really look like that to other people because they'll look at you and say, like, you're a smart kid. Come on, you could do this. Or, you know, you're 35 years old now. You know, you'd think you'd learn. You know, and it's like, fuck, I can't get myself to do it. I remember for me in, in business when I, I think, lost it the second or third time. I can't remember which one. But I started taking opiates because I had teeth problems and stuff. Uh, and I started taking opiates. And I found that it not only cured my tooth pain, but it also allowed me to like do miserable work that I hated to do. It somehow like numbed that, the cry of my spirit. And, yeah. uh, I don't know quite how we got here, but you asked me what my calling was. Yeah. How it's, you got to your calling. Yeah. You know, I, I just, as you're, as you're like, I resonate so much with that because that's how I am too. And it's so, it's just not helpful and not what people who think in the way that we do, uh, for other people to just say those things to sort of be like, get back on the track, like suck it up. You'll be good. Like keep marching forward. It's not the, it's, it's, these are, uh, responses that are contained by the three by five card of allowable thought expression and opinion, you know, in our society and our culture and our civilization, this, this entire structure of the game, it's, you know, there's some people that are born and they just look at that structure and go, this is bogus. You know, it's like we yeah. see we just see through the illusion and we try and uh, the school system and this, the entire civiliza civilizational mechanism tries to squish those people out, you know, instead of trying to foster and grow those talents as they should be. Um, but, yeah, when you're when you're seeing that in that way. Nobody can tell you otherwise because you, you've got your – you know you've got your sovereignty because you were – that's all of our birthright, birthrights is our sovereignty. Yeah, it's a journey so, back into our sovereignty. And I think that what I see yeah. in, in, the, in the communities oftentimes that are, you know, thinking in this revolutionary way or would be part of the new zeitgeist, so to speak, is what I would call it, 
this new culture, new this podcast new podcast with Zach guys. Yeah. Subscribe. Yeah. Coincidentally, my name, <laughs> that's actually my birth name um, is that a lot of people will just try to like tune in. To, uh, what is it called? Tune in, check out. What the hell is that one? That, that uh, whole tune thing? in, turn on, drop there, out. There we go. Tune in, turn on, drop out. They try to do that drop out thing. And the problem is, is we live in 2019. And if you drop out, you're just like broken, penniless and, you know, uh, life just, you're just kind of scraping by. You're living yeah. in a van. All, all, you're like of, all of the uh, former the support systems, opportunities or possibilities for some kinds of support systems are being subsumed by the the mechanism of civilization. It's pushing the people who would be out on the fringes further and further and further away where they no possibility of getting a life raft. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it sucks because you're not separate. You can't. I guess the thing I want to say is you can't separate yourself unless you like lose yourself in like a psychosis and you're living in a completely, you know, subjective <laughs> world that is like independent from everyone else. And, you know, that, you know, yeah. you're, otherwise, you're, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever quite been there, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, I, I see people kind of do that and they and they create their own, you know, cosmology around it. And, and I think there maybe that's an important growth phase to like really fully go and experience that. I, I don't I wouldn't really wish it on anybody, but it might happen. I mean, it's kind of an initiatory process into a different way of being in the world. Uh, I guess what I would say is, first of all, realize that you're in a rigged ass system. And uh, if you didn't, if you have student loans, for example, or if you have credit card debt, or if you have a car payment, and if you're renting a, a, a room in a house or renting an apartment in a big ass apartment complex, then I think it's important you just realize that like, you're kind of in a debt slavery position in the sense. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of beating around the bush. You're in a debt slavery position. You know, you're taking almost all of your income, if not all of it, and you're putting it towards all of the things that you need just to survive. So like, yeah, you're yeah. not getting a, like a physical whip and there's nobody like out there, like actively hanging your family. Like it's not as right. Right. But in yeah. some ways it also sucks. I don't, I can't say more cause I've never been in that position, but it's not about a, what sucks more. A lot of people think like, well, that's slavery. This is not slavery. It's a fucking, it's a slavery of spirit. If you can't, you know, have dignity and like, kind of act out your call and, and act out your calling and, and practice a vocation where you're working and, and earn enough to like house yourself and grow your own food and not get kicked out by some stranger or have your rent raised or all your friends have to move. Something is fundamentally wrong. So I think the first step is like realizing that something is fundamentally wrong. Uh, your feeling that shit is fucked up is true. Uh, look around for people that have followed this mentality of like work their ass off and then eventually get there and be happy and have community and love and connection and are living out their gifts. See if you can find anybody that's done that. And if you have, ask them what the hell they did and see if like that's in, maybe that's your mentor and that could happen. Right. But yeah. I don't know. I never found well, that person. You, you bring up, you bring up a, good, a very good point and a, and a very core element of what we're talking about. And you, you, you said slavery a couple of times and I agree with you. And we're, we're in this sort of like invisible web of slavery that's on a, on a different level. Have you ever, uh, do you know Robert Nozick, a uh, philosopher, uh, and he wrote this, he had this little experiment or this tale called a parable, the tale of the slave. 
And, no, but I and, think I'd love to read that if you want to share oh, a piece of it yeah, right now. Yeah, I'll definitely send it to you. But ba- basically, he goes through the steps of slavery, right? Like where you said, you know, you're being whipped, you're being tortured, you know, raped, like just treated like shit, just horrible, you know, all the stuff that we see in like- It's the, happening to our, our factory animals, the animals that are caught in right, the factory farm Right, the factory farm, farm right. And then Ex- the exactly. corporate system looks similar, but like- Instead, the people that are working in that system are getting their uh, their guts and stuff ripped out by doctors because they're having all these health conditions <laughs> and are pumping, you know, the factory farm animals are pumping medicine and probiotics, uh, not probiotics, antibiotics and, you know, are in fluorescent lighting. And then you have the people that are taking medicine for their depression. They're in a building with fluorescent lighting packed in with other yeah. people. It's just it's just reflective. keep the agriculture, you know, keep the, the, the livestock healthy enough to produce what needs to be consumed it's absolute you know, slavery is, and it's and it's indefinite time and energy it goes on and, forever think about that cow they're they're caught in an endless cycle of torture it's not like mm-hmm. people say well you know people you know cows get killed in the wild or it's not like that the cow gets to be a cow until the cow is food you know here a cow right. gets to be tortured and raped and have its young taken from them and put in crates and beaten and tortured i mean until it's yeah, it, dead, it's, it's, it's probably it gets, yeah, yeah it's, and it and it reproduces there, it breeds there, and then that new cow is born there, and that's all it knows. You know, it's it's completely factory farm situation. It's the that's the model that we. Live I wonder in. how and, slave the 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 economic slavery we're in, and like indentured servitude that's happening throughout the world. And there's, for example, I live in Utah. There, how many? Do you know mm-hmm. how many uh, uh, people have been trafficked in Utah last year? Just the state of Utah oh, that have tracked uh, out you know of what? Utah. I, li- I listened to your most recent podcast. Oh, uh, you did? Not all the- yeah, uh, the, that this one, and it was man. It's I mean, you know, it's ten thousand people. Stuff. It's it's unbelievable. So like, this yeah, stuff is it's all a happening, high number. Yeah, you know, and and the challenge is, is I believe that people are so busy trying to just make make a living. I mean, think about what that even means. Make a living, like selling my time to do something in order to earn enough money to continue to live if that doesn't sound like something's off there's something really missing and and, and we live in a, the same world where 65 human beings have more 65 individuals have more accumulated wealth than the other 50% of the entire world's population there's something definitely off i don't think we should go do what happened in 1917 to the you know to the bolsheviks and the aristocratic uh, revolution in russia you know, that right, clearly right. doesn't work. Um, the power well, position yeah, just changed. Yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm glad that this is where we're going with this because I feel like I could I could hear people out there saying, all right, yeah, but like, you know, you got to play the game. You got to just, you know, you just do it. Just, you know, get it get it going so you could survive, you know, just just stay within the thing and keep it, you know, do what you got to do to make, you know, what, 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 are, you, what are we going to do? How are yeah, we going to change so you, things? That's you know? a great question. What? I could I could speak to that, I think. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I did. And it may work for other people. Uh, and don't worry, I'm not going to sell you a course on how to do what I did. Uh, that's way too much trouble. Uh, what I did was I first found out, and, I, and I, I had a tent and was able to like live in the wilderness and like wait for grace to kind of come hit me. I didn't have kids or anything. Um, All right, step one, live in the wilderness. Yeah, okay. step one, live in the wilderness. I think step one is like take some time. Take a week, take two weeks, take a month if you can. And uh, find a way, like, because your mind will say, "Yeah, I can. I got to pay this thing, and I'll do it over here." Da 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 da. Like, uh, 
you you probably need to get away from what you're doing right now. If you feel really stuck, you may not be that yeah. stuck, but like for me, you I needed do, to like do whatever you everything. can to make the time. I, I believe this is extremely important, Zach. I remember do David Dida. I read a book like when I was like 20 years old or something. And he said like, if you don't know what your purpose is, lock yourself in a room and don't leave that room until you know what it is. <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, I get that conceptually. I know my purpose. All right, that step's done. What's next? You know, like I, I think yeah. the, 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 the time to like leave space for something to come in. You know, it's like so yeah. often we're like just adding more programs to the computer. We never like let the computer defrag and like power off and restart mm. it. Like we need to restart button for ourselves. And yes. most people are just continuously running. They've like never restarted. So that's important. And you could do that. I, I mean, I did a very powerful route from Africa called Iboga um, that really helped clear things up. But this was yes. after very I had powerful. done very powerful. It helps. It's a cure for opiate addiction. If you, you know, check that out if you're struggling with opiate addiction, for sure. I mean, it's intense. It's an initiatory experience. I think one in 300 people that take it don't make it. And that's the part about initiation. There's got to be a risk of life and death for a true initiation to happen. And our culture is completely devoid of initiation. But I don't mm -hmm. want to get too far off. I could go so many places tangentially. <laughs> yeah. uh, is that I think the first step is figuring out the right way to earn a livelihood. And for some people, they may not know. Like, I didn't really know, like, what the hell my gifts are. Like, a lot of my gifts are adaptation from wounds that I had really young. So I guess they're gifts, but a lot of them, like, I've, I've like, incurred trauma around them. Like, I hate selling stuff. I hate pitching something. But then at the same time, like, there's times where I have to do, or I, I don't have to do that, but I feel like it makes sense to do that. And it's a constant dance. I don't say, like, I'm never going to tell people what I do, but I'm not, like, running around telling everybody what I do. I think the first step is figuring out, are you doing something that you at least feel is, like, morally neutral? Like, if you're doing some shit and it's really fucked up and you hate doing it and you think it's destroying the whole world, like, stop doing that damn thing and figure out if you can get on unemployment for a while. Figure out what you could do to, like, live on less and do something that at least doesn't suck your soul, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I talked to Michael Mead yesterday. He's become a friend of mine, the, the mythologist and a mentor, really. I mean, yeah, I don't know great, if he considers yeah. himself a mentor to me, but we've talked a couple times and I've gone to his retreats and I've met him here and he helped me with a big thing with the dance, which I'll get to in a minute. But the first thing I fig figured out is I said, I've got to do something that was at least morally neutral. How I made millions of dollars was selling telecommunication products door to door. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't just me selling a door to door. At one point, I had like 500 employees knocking door to door and 18 offices and all this stuff. But yeah, it's not fun. Like living in a different city pretty much every month, you know, opening and closing down offices and hiring a bunch of people that you never really get to meet and uh, rallying them all for the idea that someday you're going to arrive at some point where you're around a bunch of people that you love being around. But that doesn't happen. It's not sustainable. Someone can't be a door to door salesperson forever, or very few mm -hmm. people can. Mm -hmm. So, uh, first thing I think is figure out something that's least morally neutral, that's not sucking your soul completely. Uh, next thing is if you could find something where you could keep your imagination alive and it creates some space, you know, that may be like truck driving or working in nature somehow, like something where you could get paid to do some work that maybe is physical, like, I don't know, gardening or like construction, something that's like kind of calm, not crazy where you're like coming up a high rise and, you know, something where you can like let your mind wander. You know, you may be able to just like stop working for a minute, get unemployment and like give yourself some freaking time. Ask yourself the question, could I replace the income from this job? And if you hate the job anyway, like you don't need to like go back to that. You know, even if that means you got to go from a two bedroom apartment to renting a room, it's worth it <laughs> to not feel your soul sucked. The second yeah. thing is, is like, what the hell is sucking all your money? Because, you know, things like rent, you got to live somewhere. So that's going to get you. But do you have student loans? Do you really have to pay them? 
You know, does it mean that you have to go default? And the crazy thing is there's programs with student loans. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Here's me with the sales thing, right? It's not my intention here. But there's ways to pay nothing on your student debt, depending on your situation, especially if you make one of these transitions. And then also qualify for loan forgiveness at the end of term and have interest fall off. There's all sorts of crazy stuff. And those same things exist within taxes. So there's ways to, to dramatically reduce what you pay on your taxes, which is essentially keeping a penny saved as a penny earned. So there's those elements. Um, I'm not going to propose like going out and investing a bunch of money and making more money because I think that's perpetuating the same madness. But right, you may, yeah. but like you may be uncomfortable, like and like need to do that because you feel unsafe for a while. And I'd say, ultimately, what we're left with is we've got to follow our heart. If our heart tells us to do something, we feel really afraid. Like that doesn't mean like, oh, I feel fear. Fuck that. I gotta go. I've got to go through it. I used to do that. I'm like, oh, I feel fear. Well, I better do it. You know, that's kind of like was my calling. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm gonna go do that immediately before I think this through anymore. And I can tell you, I, I that's been both helpful and extremely destructive in my life. I think yeah. fear creates the container for growth. So like we feel the fear and we come to the, the bounds of it, but like it's important. Fear is an important element. If you don't have any fear at all, it's like somebody that takes LSD or you probably have some people that take psychedelics and they run right into the fire at Burning Man, you know, and fear is there for some reason. There's, you got to trust that intelligence too. So the first yeah, step totally. is- Yeah, totally, yeah. And you have, to, you have to allow yourself- you know, the, the time really, because if you're not able to take time, like then why can't, why can't you take time for your own life? Like who owns you then, you know, mm -hmm. then you just have to start getting into these questions and, and really, you know, what, what's happening is that you have these people that are making this massive amount of money and they can then use the money that they made from the time that you spent so that they can hire people that can spend time on figuring out all this language and all these systems and all this legalese and all these, you know, this obstacle course, this maze made for the super wealthy. Yeah. Right. Is mm -hmm. like, it's like, and that's and what I do essentially is I help people done. navigate that maze. Like I, I call it like a financial initiation. We're doing it with student loans. We're doing it with taxes. We just started doing it with tax strategy. Uh, we have an IRS enrolled agent on board that's helping us uh, launch that, and I've done it for myself. We're also doing it with like debt settlement, credit restoration. Basically, how do you like think of like Neo in the Matrix? Like first he doesn't know he's in a matrix, then he discovers he's in a matrix, and he's like, "Holy shit! Like what's really on the other side of this?" Next thing you know, he's on the outside going, he's on the Nebuchadnezzar going, "Shit! All there is to eat is gruel." Right? This is a pretty good metaphor. I never even thought about how deep this metaphor is. Like <laughs> yeah. now he's eating gruel and he's like, this really sucks. But at least he's not alone and he's with people that are like him. And he realizes like all of those feelings. I mean, these are deep meta, meta you know, uh, uh, myth mythological stories. And yeah. then he goes, and then he goes back into the matrix and he's like stumbling around. But he has some mentors, right? Like, like Morpheus is his mentor. And he's also met people that have never even been in the Matrix. It's like Plato in the cave allegory. Like, like uh, I forget the two guys' names. They've never even been in the Matrix. They know it exists. They could kind of see it, but they've never actually been in. And so right. how he ends up really changing the world is he... I don't want to ruin the story here. If you haven't seen that in the last 15 years, that's your <laughs> fault. So uh, spoiler alert, but... Yeah, one of the it, best movies ever. Yeah, totally. Amazing movie. So... Uh, yeah, he ends up having to go in and mastering the system so that he could navigate within the framework as the rebel, like as the resistance, as the liberator. And I think, I don't know, probably your listeners probably really resonate. If they're listening to something called Mycadelic, they probably 
really resonate with the person that's helping to liberate their spirit. These medicines liberate their spirit and their mind, and they want to probably help liberate others. It feels amazing when you do that. So that's why I do that. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a choice anymore. Like, I couldn't, like, if, if you were to say, like, you could make a million dollars a day and do this thing over here, I go, well, like, okay, now I have a million dollars a day. What the hell do I do, right? Like, yeah. like what I yeah. give it to all my friends that didn't do that, and they look at me, and anybody that I would care about would look at me and go, why the fuck did you do that terrible thing for a million dollars a day? And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go deal with the people that are stoked that I have a million dollars. Like, you know, what type, what, who would I be in a relationship with, a, you know, an, as an intimate partner? Or like who, you know, what would my friends yeah. be like? Like, so I, I think the I, first I, thing- I, f- I feel really, really good when I help other people and I do things for other people. It makes me feel really good. So if you're like a really selfish person and you just care about how good you feel, just help other people because then yeah. that'll you yeah know, follow like... your selfishness. I, I, you, the funny thing is, is that you're probably told selfishness is bad, but there's a part of you if you really follow your selfishness. There's a there's a place, Charles. I, I got this from Charles. I'm about to you know uh, steal it from him right here. Is uh, there's a part there's a place where selfishness selfishness meets altruism, and that's where we should meet. Because mm-hmm. that the selfishness is you wanting to like give your gift to the world, you wanting to spend time doing what you want to do. And it may look like at first you're like, all right, now I stopped doing that miserable job and I just want to play video games straight for a week because I haven't been able to do that. And then you find out that you just really wanted to play video games because you wanted to like tune your mind out because you were so miserable about your job. But now that you're like not doing that thing, you're like, wow, shit, video games, like this is kind of lame. You know, I don't really want to do that. Nothing against video games. I don't know. I don't play them. I just, I'm doing so many things. I, I can't even imagine to do that right now. Yeah. We want a challenge. We want something that's really going to challenge the full capacities of our human spirit. And I think video games are one of these substitutes to that. You know, totally. I mean, there's probably some I've been people that like they yeah. make and design <laughs> video games or they're like exceptional. This is like their, that's their gift to the world is to help create the video games that help liberate the spirit and create the space for people to be able to you know, engage with one another and like escape the misery from their lives to keep everybody from being out in the street shooting each other. So there's probably, so it's not like every, like we're all in this like bath together. The person that's hella rich that's hoarding the money, they're like, why are they doing that? Well, cause they like are not feeling love and connection and their right. community of people are all cutthroat. So like they're stuck yeah. in a cutthroat community that's like looking down on everybody else you know, and to justify yeah. what they have, the, they, they've, yeah, to justify what they are, and like to they've like inherited the role of like prison guards. Mm-hmm. They're like, whatever, fine. We're in a prison. Well, I'll, at least it's better to be the guards. You know, it's a bit. Are they really? How happy are prison guards? Like, you know, I would, you know, I thought about even, that too. They're, they're in prison too, and yeah. uh, and everybody in there is either trying to like like cheat them somehow or like hide something underneath them. And, and they know at any moment, if those gates opened up that they would get beaten and killed at best. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They abuse their power like crazy. Right. They get, they get off on like having that power. And for generally sure. they're people yeah. that were bullied as kids. So they're like bullying right. the bully. See, this is essentially what happens. And I think this is what happened in the, in, in the Russian revolution of 1917. It was like, all of the serfs and the communists overtook all the aristocrats because the aristocrats had hoarded all of the wealth and not shared it. And then all the people up like, had an uprising and then they like tortured and killed and maimed. It was as bad as the Holocaust. I don't know. Like, again, it's not a measurement of like what's bad. Were they burning babies? Uh, no, they're probably decapitating them in the street. Like, what's worse? You know, I don't know. They're both fucking terrible. I don't want either oh, one. Yeah, terrible tragedy, yeah. So they, it's not a story that's really told. And, and Lenin even came up with the term that he called them the former people. Uh, meaning that mm. like they would not even yeah. have a name, 
And uh, and that was where my family came from was this intellectual class or whatever. We don't. I don't even know my own history. I know they're from Siberia somewhere, and they like left there and communism bad. That's about all I got. And it's because there's so much trauma in families. So. I guess what I'm saying is, is that we're all in this together. We're all sharing in this trauma. I believe that this trauma is alive in our bodies, in our actual physical flesh. There's a term, uh, a term in, a, I forget which African language, it's, uh, it's called sesalalame, and it means feel, feel it, flesh inside. And there's an intelligence if you're able to work through the trauma that you, that you could feel in your body. There's a way to think somatically. And, I, and I, we feel those as knots in our stomach. And I believe they turn into diseases and all that, but I'm not a doctor, so who the hell that, am I no, talking about No, definitely, yeah. But, but I, if you take I, psychedelics, I that, you yeah. could feel those things come up. You're like, oh my God, what the hell is this sensation? And you have full releases and all of that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're, we're really like, we're, we're, we're circling around this idea of we're, we're enslaved, we're, we're in Plato's you know, allegory of the cave, we're in the cave, we realize we're in the caves, we're, you and I are talking, and, you know, and to some degree we're still in the cave, we might have had glimpses of the outside of the cave, other people like know they're in the cave, they have an idea of what it might be to be outside of the cave, uh, they fear that it's going to be like the Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to be eating mush and be isolated, and it, the, maybe the dream they're in and the ignorance that they do have is better than knowing what it really is. Uh, and I guess I'll go back to speaking on how the hell I, what I'm doing and how I got here in hopes that somehow those are breadcrumbs that may inspire something. I don't know what you think about yeah, that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Talk about that because, yeah, I, I just happened to go to your, um, I went to your Facebook page, uh, Student Loan Tutor, and you're wearing like a wizard uh, outfit and waving a magic wand at this like ghoulish, devilish skeleton creature, you know, aristocratic skeleton guy. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, it's like, that's perfect because, yeah, I mean, you know, we're looking at like dead and student loans, you know, they have all... We, we live in a, a cultish world. We have, you know, we have dogmas, we have religions, we have sorcery and magic and at, at high levels. You oh, know, we totally do. Just, I mean, just, that's, it, I think that's the, biggest, you know? that's the biggest trick yeah. that's been played on all of us slaves is that there is no such thing as sorceries, magic, right. spells, uh, rituals, ceremonies, uh, initiation, the fact that we yeah. don't have a soul, that uh, we're born tabula rasa, tabula rasa as a blank slate and we're soulless beings on an accidental planet floating around. This is the narrative that allows someone to be able to live as a slave because then all you got to do is strive to be like whatever is held up as the shiny person to be like. You could be like this person or this person. Think of marketing. Whenever you see marketing, go think of somebody going, you could be like this person. And it's not that this person that's doing that is like innately evil. I'm saying that the people that are perpetuating it, in my perspective, are still part of the victims. They're also victimized. Like we're all victimized by this crazy story. And I think what's emerging right now is this new story, this new way of being in the world, this new way of understanding ourselves as being connected, as being souls that are connected in a web of meaning and that we're here, brought here to create something that's never happened before and could never happen again. The gifts that you're bringing into this world can't be done by someone else, Tom, Dick, or Harry, or Susan, or whoever, uh, down the street. Like, these are the gifts, the, the callings, those yearnings that we have. And somehow we've got to somehow nurture them. This is a strange time. We've got to nurture those yearnings and those callings in order to feel alive. 
and in order to feel connected. And then sometimes we're put in places like the, you know, the swan that's put in the like duck flock. You know, we're put in places where like, shit, if I start acting like a swan, I'm going to get my ass kicked out of here or get ridiculed. You know, so like now I got to go through this process of being alone, which is terrifying, you know, and I think that the ego is terrified of being alone because the minute it is, it loses all of its identity. It's all of its identification and it freaks right. the hell out. And that looks like anxiety, sadness, fear, depression. And I think some of it's the more of us that step forward and do liberate ourselves and do come down. It's not that it's liberation is a place you get to, you become enlightened. It's a constant unfoldment. You know, you could get right. yourself down all sorts of little traps. But for me, yeah, I, I'm wearing a wizard outfit uh, because I believe that working in these types of professions is secret occult knowledge that isn't shared and it transforms somebody's complete life. Like, I mean, people come right. to me and they're spending two grand or three grand a month. A lot of my clients are doctors. Uh, and then they leave spending zero and then half their interest falls off and their loan eventually disappears and they take that money and they put it towards, you know, other debts that they then negotiate down and or fix their credit with because they're able to pay down other things. And then they, they're able to create some wiggle room, not so they could go make, take all their money and make even more money from it, but so they could like build community and, you know, have more time to like discover and nurture that calling. And uh, yeah. for me, the calling has been to number one, continuously look at you know, think of like an alchemical process, right? Figuring out all the different ways in finance that could help liberate people uh, from having to do a shit ton of work in order to just survive. That's the first step. I don't know how to do it with land. Like you still have to get land and that's pieces of paper show that somebody owns it because somebody stole it a couple generations back and then therefore you get to pay a premium and pay for it three times over to a bank if you're lucky enough to have good credit and a job that's consistent for two or three years so you can show that you're going to continue to keep paying <laughs> and then you pay for mortgage yeah, insurance right, on right. top of that in case you for some reason can't afford to pay the mortgage the insurance company uses actuary tables in order to be able to pay it off and if worst case scenario you still can't pay it off then they stick you with a tax bill for the forgiven amount and then forgive the bank I don't know if you followed yeah. all of that, but something is definitely <laughs> fucked up there. So something that I'm doing yeah. is, uh, is I'm looking to help and, liberate. And can, I, can I just yeah. say also like, yeah, uh, I want like that, th that everything that you just went down and explained has been these systems that just keep being perpetuated. These systems of magical sorceress, you know, language, right? Casting spells. When you cast like a magical spell, you invent language and you say something. And, you know, if you know the language, if you can manipulate the language in a society, you can manipulate the society. You can control reality. You can bend and shape reality mm -hmm. to your will. So this whole process that you laid out was put in place by all these ideas, all these thoughts, all these language. And here you come in to liberate people. I'm in a your glitch. Wizard I'm a glitch. And I'll tell you why. Is, I'll, is, I'll tell you why. I'm this a is glitch, what happens. Mike. Every story, good and yeah. evil, there needs to be, there needs to be this, uh, white light coming in. And, 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 and I'm a glitch in a way. And the, and the, and the reason that I'm a glitch is because it would be way more profitable for me to align myself with like Sauron, you know, from Lord of the Rings, the Eye of Sauron. Like if I align the same magic with Sauron, then I could make tons of money by, you know, having, having people invest big portions with huge commissions for myself. You know, I could broker, uh, broker loans for private banks and then they, it takes no effort. And instead, this educational piece, education should be I don't know if it should be well paid. I mean, the whole idea of the way that our monetary system functions needs to be revisited. So I can't even say like, yeah. see, this is the problem is the more I, the, the more I try to communicate this, the more I get tongue tied. And I think that's where these tangents keep going. It's like, I could picture a listener listening to this going like, fuck Zach, you keep saying you're going to say what you're going to say, fucking say it already. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to get there, but I'm like, uh, 
part of me, I, I believe that I'm connected to the people, and this is some woo shit right here, but I'm connected to the people that are listening to this podcast, even though that that's happening some point in the future. There's a, there's a place where our intention meeting together in the zeitgeist, zeitgeist proper, meaning uh, the spirit of time itself, is it's invoking or evoking in me and you what's wanting to be said. And I believe that I'm like speaking to the people even though they haven't heard it yet. Like, they're actually here right. in a way. And so yeah. as I'm going, I have some ideas of where to go, and yet I, I, I'm seeing, like, I, I can't see it visually. I'm not on psychedelics right now, but but I, I could I could feel where it really wants to go, and I'm, I'm trying to ride that wave of how this could be best spoken, whether it sounds a little bit fragmented, because a lot of these ideas and concepts are new. And even if... They aren't new. Your audience is different than somebody else. So if I like create a regurgitated way to explain all this, I would be hurting my own soul by being the talking head that just spits out the same shit. I, it right, might yeah. sound really smart. Well, like objectively, yeah, everybody yeah. could come together and say, oh, that story made a lot of sense. It went beginning, middle, end, and there's the shit. And that's what Zach stands for is this thing. But for me, what, I, what I've done is I figured I really need to liberate people. So I'm operating both in the matrix and I'm also operating outside of the matrix. So in the matrix, I'm working to help dismantle the financial system's ability to enslave people by having them work to pay off debts that they could, through education, not have to pay as much of. And it liberates people considerably. It makes it dramatic yeah. life change not, not through not through education like going back to school not but through, through school. actually yeah to knowing knowing the occult language that you're that you're uh weaving through and, and, and not everything and i know through. it's not like i'm like you could become like me and know all this stuff it's like what do you need to know in your specific situation and what your specific goals are and like not some ideas of like create a vision board it's like okay you're paying this oh yeah did you know this 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 now you're paying that how was that they're just like what the fuck how the hell do you do that like you just made money out of the air you like like alchemy in the moment. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah totally. It's, yeah. it's so, it's like, to me, it's so common knowledge that, you know, but to other people, they're really floored by it. They, they don't even believe it. They kind of like walk away with this like dazed look on their face. They're like, wait, if you just do this with yeah, taxes, well, you just like don't owe anything. Like what about student loans? They just disappear. Right. And like, like, we're, like, but if it's debt and then you don't pay it, how is it debt? You know, like, but wait a second, like if it, if interest rate doesn't matter because it just goes away, then, then what, why is there an interest rate at all? Like, why would they even create these programs? Like, ah, you know, and it, I answer all those questions. I don't want to go over it here, but you know, it has, yeah, to, yeah. If you, I could show you all the pictures and I go like, well, think about how bankruptcy laws work. And if they didn't have this, then you would declare bankruptcy. You'd graduate from college and then declare bankruptcy and the loan would go away and then you wouldn't have to pay it at all. So then instead they create all these weird things. If you know them, you could navigate. It's almost like the system is there to create the loopholes, to create a portal for the people that really are supposed to create the more beautiful world to come into so that they could do that. And it doesn't let everyone through because if it did, it would keep recreating itself, which is the same madness that we're in. So my goal right, with yeah. this quote unquote magic is to liberate the people that are going to follow their soul calling instead of pumping it back in to making more and more money and feeding the world into money. Which they may do. I don't say like, hey, are you going to do that? And if so, that's on them. <laughs> but I do tell them yeah, what, what we're a, doing. What am I doing with my money? Well, with, Sorry, with the say that? Yeah, with the money that we make from Student Loan Tutor, uh, we run a, a twice a week ecstatic dance. It's like a mini music festival that happens twice a week. Hundreds of people come to every dance. We have DJs, local DJs, DJs that fly in, some amazing artists. We do like yoga beforehand. We partner with the Jung Society, which is Carl Jung Society uh, of Utah. And we bring in like like Amazing. psychologists like Coleman Barks and uh, Stephen Jenkinson's coming on the 16th. Him and I are talking tomorrow, I believe. Uh, Francis Weller's coming. Michael Mead's come. 
Uh, Charles, nice. I think, came at one point or was supposed to. They keep telling me to get him to come, but he wants to do a high, I think he's doing a sabbatical. But um, so we run that community. We run it at a Krishna temple. I'm not Hare Krishna, although I, I love that. You know, Krishna in mythology is really beautiful. And we have mm-hmm. a one-acre permaculture food forest where we grew like six or 8,000 pounds of food this last year. It's our third year doing that. And people from the community come and grow it and plant it and then harvest it. And, you know, we, we make brunch at the end of Sunday and make dinners on Wednesday. And we have a permaculture guild. And now there's six different permaculture guilds. Uh, one, of, one of the people that works as student loan tutor, tutor is running for Green Party mayor uh, uh, for, this, for this next election. Uh, and it, all of this is coming from this, from you know, this place of healing, like a lot of, all of the people that work with us are able to work from wherever they want. It's, it's, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's all of the principles and values that I have is embedded in the community as a living, we're like a living organism, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We have yeah, decisions. Yeah. We've had, we've had debt jubilees where like, like the company has lent people money when they've gotten in binds. And then the company has like made a bunch of money and then like forgiven all the debts of all the employees uh, we've helped people start businesses that work within the organization so that they're able to save money on taxes while at the same time becoming successful and other, other things that were just hobbies before have now converted into business. Uh, we're looking at purchasing property in Hawaii to build earth ships on it and do the same thing there and go even deeper with the healing modalities that we're working on. Uh, trying to think there's like yeah. so many things that we're doing the podcast, no, which a, is amazing. The yeah. The podcast, like people right. want to yeah. hear what, like what we're doing. You could go through there, like we're helping like free women from sex slavery uh, in other countries and also here, uh, which is where that podcast that you heard about. Like I'm finding people that understand some of this secret occult knowledge that could help share it because a lot of shit is like, dude, shit is really screwed up and like we got to get out of it and like follow your heart. And it's like, well, shit, like I need an initiation. I need a mentor to get me the hell out of the like I can't just leave the system like I'm still in it and I can't just go. Like, it's like someone trying to quit alcohol all at once that's been drinking for 20 years. They'll have a heart attack or seizures or something. And I, yeah, know, it's not People exactly wanna, like that. They want to run, they want to run away, but they have this ball shackled, this weight shackled to their ankles. So I it know makes exactly it what this feels like, Mike. I, I yeah. this is how I felt. I felt just yeah. completely, you know, no matter how much money I made, it was like it was all gone. And I'm talking crazy amounts of money, you know, and it would just go, you know, like on right. everything. Yeah, because once you start getting and I, I've made some money, not as much as, as you and, and other people out there that have these incredible stories of, you know, James Altucher is another guy. I don't know if you know him, though, I think about who's told his story of making money and losing it over and over again and the stuff. And it's like, you know, I, I made a decent amount of money, but I saw that the li- there's limitations. And then once you're making this amount of money, everything else just ramps up. It's all relative to who you're hanging out with and what you're doing and where you're going and vacations and stuff so it goes it goes faster more money it just it all goes there's no escape from it unless there's a total redesigning of what the conditions that we live in are you know um and 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 so you know i was wondering like as you were talking and you're talking about you know the things that you're doing with student loan tutor and then the ecstatic dance like you're helping liberate people you're freeing people then you're freeing yourself by giving back and giving to the community doing the ecstatic dance bringing community together connecting with people just growing beautiful things permaculture giving back to the land you know healing on this massive level uh and yeah, do you do you have like a like a common story that comes up or a, or maybe a story that you could think of in particular of somebody that comes to you to student loan tutor and says, "Hey, this is going on and 
you know, is there like a common kind of trope along the those lines? You know, you'd think there would be. I, I, I don't think that you're going to be surprised when I tell you who the common person that comes in a student loan tutor is. Who is it? It's a person with a graduate de- degree, generally a doctorate, so a doctor. And mo- uh, most of them are conservative, meaning Republican, and are trying to build wealth uh, to become successful in society, support their family, and uh, get rid of, pay off their debt. They don't, they're not trying to like walk away from them. They're just like, I hear you could like help me not be as broke and create increased cash flow and be able to, I uh, could have more money to invest in my practice and then become rich. And uh, that's who calls. Uh, and I think they call because, and I asked myself this question, like, what the hell? Like, why does this keep happening? Because in their world, it makes sense that the system is not jacked and that somebody would actually know how to navigate it and that they could pay that person and that person would do it for them. Whereas mm-hmm. I think people like other people, I think, are attached to the story that like, no, nah, if there was some way to do it, it would already be do it. This is all a system to screw us over completely. And there is no way out. Like shit is jacked up. So therefore, that's what I thought. That's what yeah. I thought. Hey, you and I have got to talk about your your situation that you had mentioned yeah, and just for, talk about sure. also the tax side and we could talk about a lot of things and maybe afterwards we'll we'll have a rehash of like if you feel comfortable sharing with your audience like what the <laughs> hell we did. I think it'll sure. blow a lot of people's mind. That's generally what I do. Like right uh, tomorrow I'm actually flying to San Diego and I'm speaking at what's called the Cairo Congress. And it's a conference for executive directors of all of the nonprofits for the chiropractic uh, uh, associations nationwide. And I, they've told me that they're the person that's running it saying that I'm the first person that's both a keynote speaker and an exhibitor, meaning that like we offer our services to their members as well as like I'm also giving them the information, which should be like a conflict of interest. Uh, but they just like they need it so badly. And, and the, the reason that that's even happening is... Somebody had told one of them to call me, and, and she called me, and, and she's like, well, tell me about this and this. This sounds too, too, too good to be true. There's no way you could do it. I said, you know what? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to gift you our services for free, just a gift. Even if you want to pay us, you can. A gift is not free. It's like, I'm going to gift you it, you know, and I trust that it'll come back in some way. And, uh, and so I, I gift it to her, and, you know, and she goes, well, I'll find someone that needs it. So she goes and finds someone that desperately needs it, thought she knew everything about this whole thing, and I said, well, just get on the phone. We'll do it. And I think we like added, see, there's a, here's a weird term, like, what did we save them? That's it, already shows that you don't understand money. We added something like almost a million dollars to their estate over the life of their loan term. And you go, well, like, how, how did they have a million dollars of loans? No. By getting rid of the loan, getting rid of the way the interest accrues, dealing with the tax implication, and using the increase in cash flow in their practice, it added a million dollars to their estate. Now, do they have to use that million dollars to like add money and accumulate it for their own personal wealth? No, they can take that same money and like invest it in community, invest it in a permaculture garden, like start a community, yeah, start, you know, a start a community nonprofit. Sir. They could do, yeah. yeah, start a mushroom ceremony. So they do a whole bunch of beautiful things with it. In this case, we said, here's all the extra money you would have if you do this thing and you could do whatever the hell you want with it, but that's what it is. And they're just like, holy shit. This is crazy. Like you have to speak at this thing. And that's generally what happens. And the business has grown 100% uh, through essentially word of mouth over the past five years. And I stumbled upon this. <laughs> this is a funny thing. I normally would never share this. I'm going to share this with you. Do you know where I heard cool. about uh, Student Loan Tutor? Like how I found out about it? How? It was right after I was living in that tent, giving myself a space and time for it. And uh, then I get a phone call from somebody I had gifted uh, uh, a boga to. Because I had originally got it to try to get off opiates, but I was too terrified to take it by myself. And I had gifted it to him. And he, he calls me up and he says, 
hey, you should come down with me to Mexico and, and take a book. I'm like, I don't have any money for that right now. I'm like living in a tent, you know? And he goes, I'll fly you down and I'll fly your friend down. And this guy was worth like, I don't know, he owns a very big company. I think he makes like a quarter million a month or something. So like he flew me and the person I was hanging out with at the time down there, there's a good friend of mine that used to work with me many years before that. And, and we flew down there and we took a boga and uh, it like really reprogrammed my brain and the way it was like operating from taking opiates and why I even had to take opiates in the first place, which is, you know, complex trauma of growing up in weird ways, which we all have to some degree. And it was right after taking the aboga that the next conversation I had was a complete stranger. And he goes, you know, you ever thought about like how to solve student loans? I met this one guy and he was telling me this crazy thing about student loans and there's crazy loopholes and stuff. And uh, come to find out he didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but it like put me, it like resonated as true. Like I should do this somehow. And that little experience took me to India and all sorts all over the damn place. Uh, and before that, how I even would think that that's what I would do is that I was living in the tent uh, at Mount Shasta and I was filling up my water jug uh, to, from the Mount Shasta like spring. And a guy walks up to me like a super hippied out guy. I don't know who he is. And he comes up and he goes, he goes, you look like a business guy, which is ridiculous because I was wearing like shorts and a tank top <laughs> and I have tattoos everywhere. And I like hadn't shaved in a long time because I was living in the wilderness. And I go, that's weird. Why would you say that? And he goes, I don't know. It just seems like you were. And, uh, and he goes, you should read Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein. And I'm like, oh, why? Wow. Is, is it a good book? And he goes, I don't know. I've never read it, but you should. And then he just like walks off. And so I don't know oh, if, a lot, if and many of your listeners have had experiences like this, but I've had a lot of them. Magical they, being that yeah, appears. And then, you, and then you went to go look for him and there was just like a dust pile, like, <laughs> you know, blowing in the wind. I was still still just kind of weirded out by the whole thing and like thought, I'm not going to read that book. I hate money. I hate fine. I, at that point, I fucking hated business. I hated everything. I hated Law of Attraction. I hated Tony Robbins. I mean, I hated incantations, affirmations. Like if somebody's like Law of Attraction, I just want to throw up, you know? Like, you know, somebody's right. like, hey, save money. And like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was going to do. I was going to be like, you know, the Alexander Supertramp or something. Like, try to find meaning in the way the w w the leaves blew and, you know, felt like Henry David Thoreau and Walden, like describing the way caterpillars are walking around, you know? So right. I think that that was like part of the initiation and it connected me to Charles and like, you know, and a whole bunch of other things. And uh, these things continuously unfold meaning, meaning, but I think it's really beautiful that my experience came uh, kind of through a uh, magical, mystical healing plant from Africa. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think we we probably chatted a little bit about this um, uh, when we when we spoke, and I was and yeah, that made me think because I I just this idea. I think I after hearing uh, Charles speak, he's such a great like sparker of, of, of ideas and stuff. And so I was thinking about, but yeah, like, you know, so you went and you had a, a, an aboga experience, like something from this sacred Gaian earth, the, this, this planet that we are, this planet that has peopled us into existence. Like it, we're communing now with these, uh, natural plant healing medicines. And it's kind of like, 
putting us back into its system saying like, Hey, you guys have gone too far with your like technology and your abstract systems and institutions, like come back to the earth, come back to the cosmos, the, the mystery, the wonder, like the whole thing. And so it's in effect, like you're, and you are a part of that. Like we all are a part of that. Yeah. You know, it's advanced part, technology. Part it's earth. like, it's like technology yeah, it, that like exactly. supersedes Ancient like it, it, it like, surrounds and permeates the technologies that we have like they they probably come from similar places you know or i don't know like the, what is a place even you know you take a boga and you're <laughs> like what's up what's down what's what's what you know like right, yeah. yeah things get really unusual and um and i think that's where the healing comes in and michael mead and i talked about that yesterday at great length uh these ecstatic states of consciousness taking like being overtaken by by something that is outside of outside, but yet what your soul has an ember of within. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. uh, and somehow through that we can be guided and yeah. through all of the things we've mentioned, the economic system and school system and, you know, development and, you know, trauma with families and addiction and, you know, addiction to damn near everything. And, trying to meet our needs superficially and all the ties of relationships with other people that have all of these things. And, you know, somehow we, we can't hear that little, that voice or that pull or that sensation or, or feel in that Cecil Alame way, uh, what the hell it is we're supposed to do. We just know this isn't it. And I think maybe the, right, right. when you find yourself going through hell, stop instead of keep going, like fucking stop and like go look around some people and, and what the hell is going on? You know, find the right, couple yeah. people, you know, I mean, we live in a cool time where, you know, simultaneously technology really sucks because of surveillance capitalism, which I'm not going to go too deeply into. But um, at the same time, it's also a beautiful tool to get messages out. Now, granted, right now, like the way the algorithms work is it's like the worse and more polarizing your message, the more people are going to hear it. You know, it's like if, yeah. you, if I were to like get on this podcast and like try to convince everybody why like infanticide was a good thing, like it would get <laughs> it would get like quadrillion views. You know, like because maybe people I'll be just, like wanting maybe to I'll kill name me. that the title and we'll see what kind of oh, attention God. we get. Yeah, well, the problem is is somebody <laughs> won't even listen to it. They'll like see the title, see your name and my name, and then like you know create a whole story around it and like piece like any sentences that we've ever said to like justify that that's true and that's what we believe and then everyone would automatically hate us and then we'd be identified yeah. with someone to hate and then anything you say will be something that you shouldn't say and then if somebody is just affiliated with you in any way somehow they also believe whatever it is you believe even if you don't believe it and anything you say is just you trying to prove that uh you it's like that <laughs> it's like a crazy logical loop that you can't get out of it's like when someone is right. declared a liar anything they say like even if they tell the truth is also suspect so uh we live in a yeah. strange time where the truth is the hardest thing to spread uh and it's simply because of either algorithms it's it's actually blocked by a lot of things it's blocked by algorithms and it's blocked by its lack of concision its lack of ability of being said in very short concise familiar ways like right. the reason this conversation was so difficult um to have and sounds like it goes in so many ways is because it doesn't go across a familiar path. Like there's, mm. you know, two roads diverge, you know, like there's like what we're talking about is, I mean, I, I, Wendell Berry says, 
you know you're on the right path when you have no one to follow because uh, you're following that that part of you. You know you're on your own. Sorry, you're not on the right path. You're on your own path because sometimes the right path is being like alongside a mentor or alongside a you mm-hmm. know. But like I often feel like where the fuck am I? I'm like way 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 ahead on some on my own path. I'm not saying I'm ahead of everybody else. Somebody else could, you know, like the, you got the tortoise and the hare. You know, somebody else can. Um, I may be the hare running ahead, and you know the tortoise could you know, pass me up by one little, you know, swift move. It's not about going somewhere linearly. It's, it's right, about moving yeah. towards a greater sense of harmony, love, connection, wholeness, and uh, coherence. Like, I feel like that yeah. is where we're going. I, I, yeah, I kind of want to, I kind of want to like maybe talk a little bit because you mentioned gifting and I know Charles talks a lot about that. And, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't read Sacred Economics yet and I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Uh, do you but, want like the one minute version of Sacred Economics? Well, yeah, sure. If you I'm just kidding. Do that, it's impossible. It's impossible to do that. I, <laughs> I hear people say that to Charles. They're like, so no, can you just put what you, what you're talking about into like, if you were to put it in, a, in one minute, how would you put it? And uh, Noam Chomsky also <laughs> he says that he's like, he's like, you know, you know, Noam, why, why, can you just can you just get to the point already? Like instead of these long books, you, just you were the in... guy that like knew knew how to hack everything. So I'm like, oh, he figured out a hack for it. All right, it's cool. Forty two. It it's forty two, <laughs> oh, Mike. That, yeah, that's I mean, if you if, if you if you want to just like maybe talk a little bit about like gifting because you brought that up, and I think that's I love it that that's really the thing that has opened me up from my previous sort of like hardcore libertarian anarcho-capitalist camp that I was in where I was just like, well, obviously, obviously, you know, if you create something and you want something else that it has to be exchanged, we need a free market where people can just exchange freely without government intervention. But this idea of gift, it's so simple. It's so, so simple obvious. that it's almost we all like... Uh-huh. We all do it. We've, 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 we've done it since we were kids. Tribal people that I live with do it all the time, uh, that, that, that I spend time with in Peru. Like they, you know, there's, there's people that live in the gift and we've done it as a, as a species as well. And somehow we've lost that in this attention seeking clickbait outrage hamster wheel indoctrination camp culture that it's like, we've, we've, I've we've never completely... heard it quite called that. I think that was very, <laughs> I like that. I'm, I'm taking that. Nice. I don't even know what I said, but there it is. Uh, so yeah. So to talk a little bit about gifting and living in the gift and how that's inspired you and how you embody that. Great. So I'll start with saying that I don't fully live in the gift. Uh, although that is All the direction. Right, this podcast is over folks. See you later. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Who the heck is this? Zach guy? Does Charles know that we're taking his, taking his podcast down. Um, no, uh, I don't fully live in the gift and I, and I, and I live in the gift a lot. I live fully in the intention of wanting to live in the gift. And, and I think that's important because I think a lot of people are fundamentalists by like, we get conditioned. It's like, Oh, it's not this, that it's this other thing. And then like, we're so quick to throw out the previous thing. It's like, Oh, Christianity sucks. You know, like that's all garbage, baby out with the bathwater, you know, like, Oh, now it's, you know, you know, this ashram or this guru or, you know, Mike has got all the answers, man. This guy is the one with the answers, you know, he's like real, real. He works like a regular thing, you know, I uh, like that. I, I hope nobody <laughs> thinks I have the answers. I've actually had people come to ecstatic dance and for whatever reason, just due to this fundamentalist culture, you know, they, especially here in Utah with the, the prevalent homogenized religion of Mormonism, they go mm-hmm. like, you're our spiritual leader. I'm like, I am not, my last name may be Geist, but my first name, I'm, it's Geist, not Christ, you guys. So, uh, <laughs> um, and I think that that's the yeah. dangerous thing is a lot of people, you know, they might have something really powerful to say and people identify with it and then they hold that person up and that person actually like embodies the king itself yeah. end up getting killed or assassinated or hated or whatever. So in the gift, I think 
I believe that there's an actual spirit of the gift. And I, I mean this not in the, I'm careful with the word literal. I mean this in an experiential way, that there is a spirit of the gift, meaning that I came into this existence like one day I didn't exist. I don't remember that day. I do remember, however, existing, and I just started existing. And I was gifted this life by some form of intelligence that's probably greater than mine, even though I'm relatively smart. It's probably greater than mine. Uh, and greater than all of ours, because it encompasses ours. And the idea is, is that, at least in, I'll use other spiritual traditions like uh, Islam, uh, Christianity, Judaism, to name a few, that they believe that there's a gift that's moving from the Creator through the hearts of mankind to those that are in need, whether it's other human beings or animals or the earth or whatever. And the challenge that we've run into, I guess I'm speaking about the problem first because it's more clear, is that instead of the gift moving from this intelligent source, it's getting blocked by people's fears and traumas and a, a shitty story that we're separate beings, right? And, it, and it's not moving to those in need, and instead, it's moving to those who have the most. It's like a river with a bunch of leaves and twigs, like all like caught up, and like like even more twigs and leaves get caught up there, and it just like gets all gets all jacked up. But instead of being twigs and leaves, it's like food and like shelter and like clean water, and people are dying, and like th those that are lucky enough could like you know sell parts of their body to stay alive. And I, I'm not trying to be like, that's not lucky, it's shitty. The other people are dying. Those people are like selling off parts of their body or se work selling their time into sweatshops. So like gift culture is a different idea of that the gift is trying to move from call it source, God, creator, spirit, through the hearts of man to those that are in need. And you could almost look at the sickness as those that are hoarding. Like maybe they're the ones that are most sick, right? Because it's stuck there like a tumor, right? It's like, yeah, how they're do like, we like... They're like overfed on this, the drug. It's yeah. like, you know, they, they've, they've, we've, we're all getting the good stuff. And then they figured out a way to just direct more to it towards them. And they're just getting all fat and drugged up, you know, and like overfed and, and uh, because that's that's the thing we all experience that right like well know, then we all say like we want a little bit of heroin right so we like want we want to get yeah. enough money to have like a you know a rental property or something and travel around or do whatever and then like we've got to look out for our own thing like what should we charge more for our services you know to like be what you know and I'm not saying charge less for your services like this is the this is the hard part this is why it's so difficult is there is no easy answer the answer is is when you feel that feeling like you want to gift something to follow that feeling and not try to justify or rationalize it. Uh, and the idea is, is that the gift is how communities are built. Whatever there is a quote-unquote community that's operating transactionally, they're by definition not a community because they're not in debt to one another. It's people's, a community's indebtedness mm. to one another. Yeah, different kind of debt, yeah. That, that creates the, 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 the cohesion. And it creates... The relationships it builds like a mosaic, so to speak, that holds the tribe together. And now everything's become transactional, and people are like Venmoing their own wives and kids, you know, like <laughs> money for like when they eat out. Like I mean, everything is commoditized, and when everything is brought down to the absolute transactional penny, then 
you're able to make money do even more things because like you could be even more efficient with it. Like when you figure out a way to slaughter a cow at the exact peak moment of the, as big as they are by feeding him as many Skittles and letting him move as little as possible with as little water, as little space, like you maximize that resource. And that's the idea of like capitalism and the market and transaction. Whereas mm. gift is, how do I how do I give what I have to those around me? The challenge is, is a lot of people, they just don't even have any community at all. So it's like, well, shit, like who do I like and how do I find what they need and how do I give it to them? Like maybe all the skill you have is like, you have a friend that's house is always dirty and they're like fucking stressed out. They got three kids. Like maybe they want to get it clean, but you got to be careful with that. You can't just like come and clean their house. They might be offended. So like it, it, it's, it's this dance. Like it's so unusual that like, even if you try to give something to somebody, it's almost like they don't want to take it. Cause they're like, I don't want to feel this relationship with you. Like, then I'm going to owe yeah. you something. And, like, you're going to come and call right. on that gift because, like, that's what happens with my student loans. That's what happens with taxes. That's what happens when I don't pay my landlord. She yeah. kicks me out on the fucking street. Like, I don't want to take it because what if I don't have yeah. something in the future to give you back? You're going to hate me. It's like, like yeah, like favor banking. Like, I'm going to, okay, you And then you have uh, sales people manipulating you. you owe me. You owe me now, you know. But I, I was just remembering, you know, like, when I lived in Peru. It's like and- guys buying girls drinks in a bar. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm expecting something now, right, exactly. Well, when I was living in Peru, and I remember after uh, an ayahuasca ceremony I had, I just felt compelled to draw all these pictures, and I just drew a bunch of pictures, and I was like, I'm just going to draw them for the healers, uh, you know, for the maestros and maestras and for the facilitators, and I just did it because out of, you know, out of fun, and I gave it to them, and Uh it was just like, you know, when living, when living in a community like that, like when I was there, like there'd always be somebody, there'd always be like multiple people that could play like an instrument. Like everybody had something to give, even if it wasn't, you know, and that's the thing is that there's, everybody does have something to give. It's just the, the values that we accept in terms of like what the dominant society allows, like, oh yeah, like we're, you know, your, your, your gift is not worthy of this arena you know or they so think like, that they've got to give they think that it's an exchange that's the, one of the biggest myths of all is that ancient uh, ancient cultures worked in an exchange economy and barter that's complete bullshit they worked in a completely mm. gift economy and uh david graber wrote a book uh debt the last five or first five thousand years it talks about like where yeah, it, it was like debt years. and credit that came about first and then money came about to facilitate the exchanges of debts but like within tribal communities, it was only gift. And even that was in 1492 or whatever, Christopher Columbus came to the United States or what was then, you know, Turtle Island for many tribes is that they, they, they commented on how generous everybody was. It was like, it wasn't that it took any effort for the tribes to like give them everything. Cause like, they're like, oh, you need this? Here you go. Like if you asked, you obviously needed it. Why would you ask if you didn't need it? So they would just give them everything, but they also expected to take something back. And then when they would try to take like something of theirs, they would kill them or cut off their hand or whatever the heck they terrible thing they did. And I'm not saying that like these are terrible people. Like what the hell happened to the people to get them to like come over to this land and get like so terrified that they can't share with anyone? They're like there's a sickness there somehow. And I think attacking the rich people clearly doesn't work because it just like it it becomes part of us. There was a quote by Philip K. Dick that says to fight with the empire is to become infected by its derangement. As you destroy Mm. one piece of the empire, you become that piece of the empire. So Mm, we can't fight it. It's somehow we've got to like visit this. And wow, that's yeah. You just blow my mind because you, you said the word empire and that I didn't know Philip K. Dick said that I, 
I was watching uh, The Power of Myth with Joseph Campbell the other day uh, with my students, and because um, I love it so much, so, so I show great. it to everybody. And um, and there's a part where he talks about Star Wars and he talks about fighting the machine. And you know, the Darth Vader is this father figure who's become the embodiment of the machine. He's the representative of the machine. Literally, he's become a machine, mm-hmm. and he's you know serving this great machine. And Luke is fighting him, and he, there's that moment he looks at his hand, and he's like, "Oh my God! Like you know, this is my robot hand. I'm like, I'm on my way there. You know, I'm on my way to. I'm fighting the machine, but I'm on my way to becoming the machine." Mm. And he makes the choice to throw down his lightsaber. Spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen Return of the <laughs> Jedi, he throws down his lightsaber and he says, "No," he says, "I will. I will not fight." You know, and he just like. That's that's it. But so yeah. Anyway, that's, I just wanted to bring that up because that's yeah. that spirit. That's that spirit of the spirit being that's unwilling spirit, yeah. to fight. I've been in a lot of situations. The, the warrior spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I will not become part of this thing, whatever that is. And right. uh, they're, yeah. they're, I could, Opt, they opting out and you know resisting peacefully and but detaching, same, departing. But, mm-hmm, but at the same time, in Star Wars, they have to live on these ships, and they have you know they've got to like still get to the planet now. Like, I think people right. are giving away the machine before they they're, they're like, okay, it's anti-machine. I'm done with fucking machines. I'm not using technology. I'm guilty of that. I like feel overwhelmed by how much technology there. You should see what's on this table. I'm in a sound studio. There's like looking at like two mics. There's like two of these freaking mic recorder things with like a light and a it's like it looks like i'm i am darth vader inside of this little box so yeah my 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 place looks like dagobah i'm in i'm in the hut like uh like yoda yeah are you that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah that's where i'm going to uh that's the goal with hawaii is to have uh to be able to do the deep uh the work in the matrix here while I'm in Utah, which is one of the, I, I mean, I think it's no accident that, the, that, uh, George Lucas was gifted, uh, the works of, of, uh, Joseph Campbell, cause that's a gift. And that Joseph Campbell was gifted, uh, the information and the stories that he learned and his ability to understand those stories through the myth yeah. and the time to be able to do it. And that George Lucas was gifted the stories of, Star Wars that would use the current zeitgeist at that time and be able to explain the human condition in a way that mm-hmm. would resonate with so many people. The challenge is, is that like what would be really beautiful is to live in a society where like other people could start advancing that Star Wars story in all sorts of different directions and it wasn't in copyright yeah. where like that he's like owning the story that came to him that like came to him not so he could get rich but so like people could really learn what they could do in order to free themselves from this mechanical, robotic, torturing condition that we're in. I mean, like, man, if you go to a transformational festival, you could see some of the really beautiful ways to live. And, like, you go back into, like, downtown Salt Lake City, you're like, how in the hell did we fuck this up so bad? I mean, like, it would be (laughs) hard-pressed to do a worse job, you know? Right, when you go, when you're in those transformational festival places or when you're, you know, living in the jungle and community and wherever you are where you're detached from the ordinary mainstream nine-to-five, you know, reality, you, you, you always think, like... Why can't life just oh, like be like this all the time? We've got to we come that... together and hack the system, and I think that's yeah, that's what we've got to do. We've got to come together. Coming we've together, got to hack yeah. the system, and in numbers and in understanding this occult knowledge, we don't attack the machine. We don't rage against the machine. We don't fight the empire. 
we 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 hack the system. We come together. We work together. We work through all of our traumas and shit. It's going to be messy because it's a new area. It's a new place. We've mm-hmm. never been total uncertainty. And we build something so beautiful that when people that are hoarding all the wealth see it, they drop their jaw and they drop all of their money because they can't help but come and join us. And I think that's that's yeah. where we go. I think that's possible. I think that's totally possible because I think that cat the cat's out of the bag in a way, and they're trying to you know put it back in. But there, it's it, we're so decentralized and spread out, and you know that that and and nimble and flexible and adaptable. And so I you know I, I don't know. I, I wonder. You know, sometimes I ask this question like towards the end of the podcast to, to guests, like, what is your like ideal vision of the world? Like, what would you what do you what do you hope to to happen? What do you feel is happening and then what do you envision like the future that you're working towards how that unfolds for yourself and for humanity as a whole what i hope is that uh i'm realizing that i was going to answer that in some canned way Out of the can questions okay. with out of the can answers. Here we go. <laughs> I hope that people can heal from all of the trauma that we've had. The the story of what life is about and we could experience what it's like to really have a soul and have purpose and be eternal beings. And I mean that, like really feel that and not just have this secret hope that we're eternal beings. Like, really feel that. Imagine that shit for a minute. To know. Like, to really know you're an eternal being. Like, I normally don't even let myself think that. Because I'm like, well, you can never know. Like, clearly, I can never know. No one ever knows. No one knows what happens. So, like, to know you're an eternal being. To know that, like, you're here to, like, express even more and more connection and joy. And, like, in order to get there, you might have to feel some of the pain you haven't felt before. You know, to have that part of your body come online. To be able to like see a stranger and feel happy to see them instead of like suspicious or scared or like am I making them uncomfortable by looking at them. I want to see a time where there is no slavery. There's no slavery of animals. There's no factory farms. You know, there's no, man, that animals are like part of the family on a, on a farm that are like helping grow beautiful food and uh, just... I mean, fuck, if we took all of our intelligence and creativity and just believed that this was possible and just started putting our efforts and our gifts towards it, shit, man, human beings are resilient. We could do crazy, beautiful things. The only thing keeping us is that we have a story that says human beings have never done that, so therefore they could never do that. It's like you can't have that thought because if like, if, if, if like you're even willing to entertain that, you're stuck. Like You have to let that go, and that's fucking terrifying. And I hope people are gifted with the courage to do their little piece of whatever the hell that is. And it may look completely different from what I said. For them, it may be like, I just want to play my fucking guitar and like share songs again. You know, like, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that's like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's where I, that, that's yeah. Where I no, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And, and when you mentioned the part about know that you're an eternal being, you know, that, that is something that it's not to know in my, in my experience, it's, it's not to know it intellectually. 
It's to feel it, like to embody it, to feel that resonance, like running and rippling through you, that, that truth that's always been there, that will always be there. You it's know? a feeling and, of not being alone it, and a feeling of everything being deeply yeah. meaningful and full. Right. Yeah. I mean, even the yeah. stories being alive. Like, I mean, we took people like, I don't know if animals are sentient, you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, fucking stories are sentient. Words are spells, yeah. you know? Like, like people use words and entire buildings get put up and countries burn. And I mean, it's crazy. Countries get developed. We yeah, draw lines. Developed. We make these, we make these invisible lines we call borders. We name, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is, this is the human animal at its most like, you know, the borders just, come with think, stories. The stories, stories are what make the borders, not some, not some wall. The wall comes right. Way, yeah, way it's after. the stories. The stories we tell, the agreements that we that we make, that that we perpetuate, that we enter into, and and really, you know, through like a lot of the times in this conversation, we've talked about having the space and having the time and and allowing something that has always been there to reemerge once again. And uh, and and that it, it can be challenging. It can be scary, and it can come with sacrifice. Maybe, you know, maybe you would, something would happen that you wouldn't necessarily want to happen or you, you, you'd incur more suffering. But in my experience, there's a greater reward on the other side, a greater, more consistent, more satisfying reward. If we follow that inner voice. And as Joseph Campbell says, you know, I think it's right away. I think that, you know, even the feeling like shit is a reward in a way. Because it comes with like some sense of dignity that like, you know what, I fucking I'm feeling like shit, you know, but like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at least doing it, you know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I think that's the first thing like uh, humility comes through humiliation. And like at some point you got to go like, well, you know, I've just been going down the wrong road for a while. I don't quite know what road to go to. And uh, but I just know I don't want to keep going this way. If like I'm really an eternal being, then I want to like follow my calling. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's not this. And maybe like that's the first step. And you might have to come yeah, up against. Don't know. I don't know if you I'm know, an eternal just, being. Just I feel not, like I'm just like may just die, and that's the end, and it's all for nothing. And hopefully, I like put my name on a building or two, and it stays up for a while. Like I don't, I don't think that comforts <laughs> anybody in the time of their death. So, yeah, true, Zach. This has been awesome, man. Uh, I definitely, you know, there there's been moments in the conversation where it's like, oh man, we could go off on a whole thing on that. So maybe we will again. Because, yeah, maybe uh, like somebody could take the whole you. the whole audio recording and like piece it together like Pulp Fiction to make it go in some semblance of order. <laughs> you know, I, I, we tried to do that when we were kids. Me and a good friend of mine we, like try to piece it together on the VCR. It's like, oh, this and then this happens and then that happens. Like, yeah, but yeah. I think that sometimes the most powerful medicine comes in very bizarre ways, just like a psychedelic journey. Like it, like you're over here and then it's like, oh, this is the gross, beautiful thing. Oh, it's totally shit. Now I'm four. Like now I'm everything. Oh, I'm all alone. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then right, the next yeah. five minutes, you know, and then you're like, shit, like, I yeah, backwards that, through that's time. What, What's that, going on? <laughs> that's 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 what i like to imagine this is is like a psychedelic trip, you know, and it's podcast poetry. Up. Yeah, no, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you. I mean, because yeah, you laid it down, man. I, I really appreciate it uh, coming on and 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 rapping with you. It's been a great great chat. And uh, and yeah, these are the kind of chats I like. I mean, we'll go in different places, but you know, ultimately, the core of what we're talking about is what we kind of wrapped on, what we began with, what we wrapped on. You know, what 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 is happening in this world? How can we liberate ourselves more, become more free, become more connected, and live more in in harmony with everything around us? And, wake up to the fact that that's pretty goddamn good and that feels pretty damn good and we don't maybe we don't need all this other crazy shit that we've 
constructed and we don't have to be slave, uh, you know, enslaved to. Um, so yeah, man, I, I, I want to chat with you more too about, about like the specifics, because I know there isn't one general kind of plan. It's not like student loan tutor, just do this, this and that, and you're good. Yeah. It's Every like six minute abs, six minutes, six minute finances. You just, just watch this YouTube <laughs> video and then now you're no longer there. Take the red pill. Well, everyone's situation is different, which requires different kinds of services and solutions and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If not, I would create like a software thing and then not have to spend hours walking people through individually. Right. But, uh, yeah. But uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, that's there. So, but at least there's cool. there's there's some hope, which is great for some people that are. Well, yeah. Th- I mean, th- yeah. Thank you for providing that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, any any final thoughts or? No, I just want to thank you for uh, for bringing me on here, and uh, hopefully, this has been. Somebody, somebody got something from this, and you know they say if you reach one person, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Hey, thank um, you, Mike. Okay, well, 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 for people that are in debt and for people that are struggling, and you know, it's a lot of us out there. Go to studentloantutor.com. You got a Facebook page too. Where else mm-hmm. should people go? Um, come to Salt Lake City and come to Ecstatic Dance on either a Wednesday night or on Sunday morning if you're ever in the area. Uh, you could look on Facebook. It's just uh, Ecstatic Dance Salt Lake City. And there's probably an Ecstatic Dance near you. It's really healing for me uh, to go to them, even if I wasn't a dancer at all. So like, uh, it was really healing for me. I had straight up mystical experiences and still do where like I feel like I'm on psychedelics while I'm completely sober and with none of the come down and deep insights coming up. That's a delve into the ecstatic, which is where the term came from is the shamanic practices from Siberia. Uh, shaman actually meant stood for shamanka, which is a female shaman, which is where shamanism originated. So yeah, check out an ecstatic dance. Check out Student Loan Tutor. Uh, the tax tutor is coming soon. We're, we're doing that with very select groups of people uh, that we know personally, just putting the same strategies, like not the same strategies, but strategies that help with taxes. So uh, uh, yeah, they could find us there. And the ecstatic dance is what is that called again? Is it just just a search for ecstatic dance? Yeah, ecstatic in, in dance, Salt Lake, Salt Lake City? City on Facebook, and uh, it'll pop up. I don't even have a website for that. We have thousands of people oh, that come okay. each year, okay. and I like, you know, every time I go to write a website, I I don't like it's already changed from the last time I thought about it. You know, we're doing so many different things. We have childcare and like gardening and all these things. So, yeah, it's really cool. It's this constant evolving thing. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you guys want to dive more into, you know, listening to Zach talk oh, yeah. and talk about you know, <laughs> student loans and taxes and debt and shamanic, um, shamanic, you know, shamanic journeying and sex trafficking and basically like things that yeah, other people just, don't want to talk about. The cool thing is, is I'm blessed and gifted with the position to not need to like have any patron, uh, patron members. So like, if you want to sponsor any podcast mm-hmm. sponsor, Mike, not me. Uh, I don't need it, and I'm I'm blessed to not need Thanks. that right now. Mike <laughs> Mike is looking to do this more and more full time, is what he's talking to me about, because um, he really yeah. loves bringing this information. And the more time he has, the more interesting guests he could discover. Otherwise, it's hard to do that when you're doing so many other things. But if you would yeah. check out uh, Zeitgeist with Zach Geist, um, it's on podcast and. Uh, I've interviewed Charles on there on the topic of debt. Michael Mead, I just interviewed yesterday, almost two hour interview with him, which is really powerful. And I'm interviewing people on all sorts of crazy things. I interviewed this woman who is uh, like specializes in like menstruation and how the female sensitivity is the way that human human consciousness could 
become connected with Gaia, the Earth. I mean, it's unbelievably powerful. You wouldn't think as a man you would be in, like interested in this, but all sorts of super fascinating topics that probably uh, are outside of the norm. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. And, you know, I love that stuff. I know, you know, you guys listening, you guys love that stuff too. So check it out. Zach, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, yeah, I, I really, I feel like every time I have a good conversation with someone, I'm always like, oh man, I could talk to you for four more hours. But, but that's really, where friends I mean, come just, from. That's like is, the this next is what I, This is what I love so much to do is just, is just keep digging, keep digging. Keep, uh, keep having conversations, keep ping-ponging and going back and forth. So you got to come back on. Everybody, thanks for listening. Go check out Student Loan Tutors, uh, the Zeitgeist podcast with Zach Geist. Everywhere podcasts are available and more. And until next time, peace. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell. Share it, spread it, like it, all that good stuff. If you if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, um, and go to Patreon.com, Patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank and you can donate as little as a dollar a month two dollars a month whatever you want help support the show that way as well but remember I love you guys no matter what you do I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts message me I like hearing feedback get in touch with me on Instagram Mike Adelic Podcast Mike Brank on Facebook as well and um, thanks to our sponsor uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro, and the outro. I love you all. Peace. <laughs>